Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Wednesday, August 8th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Hi. Bob Ryer. Uh, Heidi Ho. And joining us once again, Rob Newmeyer. How you doing? <laughs> All right, so. I'm stealing that. Stephanie is off in Fables Land right now, so <laughs> yes. she will not be joining us. Um, but Rob is going to fill in. Expertly, as he always does. So there's some pressure for you, Rob. Yep. Why, thank you. <laughs> Pronounce all the names correctly. Just give yes. us a, yeah. Okay. Somebody sure. tweeted us a picture of an Olympic athlete with what looked like a made-up last name. <laughs> it was, I think it was all consonants. It looked like somebody had like taken like the teleprompter or whatever it is that they make those and just kind of let their cat walk over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah. Um, it looked like, what's it, Mr. Miss Capel or whatever the Mixel Picklicks, the yep. Superman villain or whatever. Yeah, that's what it looks like. So um, when Stephanie gets back, she will be tackling that name. Okay. But uh, that's going to be hilarious. It will be really funny. Um, so we're going to be doing a little news this week. Actually, we're going to be talking about uh, sales numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. They came out to, uh, this week, and we also going to talk about the Marvel Now creative teams. Mm-hmm. A bunch of them got announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about this. Pr- what's going on in the Marvel movie universe? We're going to be talking about this proposed swap between Fox and um, Marvel, which may have got the kibosh, but it's still interesting to talk about. And also, big news on the Avengers front. Big news. Big big news. So that's mm. that's coming up. Uh, we also have our books of the week. But before we get to that, something a little bit different. Bob, you reviewed a book for us. Sure. It is, Why Does Batman Carry Shark Repellent? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> if we, anyone's seen the Adam West movie, of course, in, in Batman's utility belt, there's anything you could possibly need. So it's the anti-bat shark repellent. So what this is, it's a series of odd lists, little bits of trivia, uh, meant to enlighten, mm-hmm. uh, uh, make you laugh, make you think a little bit of everything. Do we want to do... Trivia, or should I just read, for instance, we have here three amazing post-apocalyptic comics, guest listed, Jeff Lemire. All right, we'll read them Ah. out then. Uh, Vic and Blood, A Boy and His Dog by Harlan Ellison, which was made into a movie with a very young Don Johnson, way, way back, which is a really cool I've seen clips of that. Yep. Commandy by Jack Kirby, Oh, which would have to be, which came out right after Planet of the Apes, and Scout and Scout, War Shaman, Tim Truman, back from the 80s. Okay. So we've got that. That Very I do cool. not know. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have this one. So this is written by Brian Cronin? Brian Cronin, who does work for CBG. Okay. No, CBR. CBR. <laughs> CBG is Comic Buyer's Guide. CBGBs. Uh, CBGBs. Yeah, them too. Um, here's one. We're going to throw this one around as a question, though. This is a list from Peter David. He, okay. Aha. Uh-huh. Former guest, Peter David. Right. Top six characters known for sitting around. <laughs> 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 Barbara Gordon. 
No. Yes, uh, she's number three. Very good. Yes. Okay. Uh, Aunt we'll May. Aunt May hmm. does not make this list. Interesting. Interesting. The heart attack list she might make. Oh, well, maybe Professor uh, Xavier. Professor X, uh, the number one answer. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Steve? Because uh, they're in wheelchairs. I get it. <laughs> Sitting in the ground. I was going to say Modoc, but he kind of... Modoc, yes! 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 All right. Okay, we got three for three on that one. Okay. Sweet. Uh, okay, let's try this Way to one. not look like that an was asshole. A, that was a yeah, good answer good to job. pressure. Pulling yeah. Modoc out, that's a good one. Yeah, man. Seven pro athlete nicknames that came from comics. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. Why don't you just lay them on us, Bob? Yes. Joe Gordon, who played for the Yankees way back. He was Flash, as okay. is... Oh, Tom Gordon. Tom Gordon. Yeah. yeah. The girl who loved Tom, Tom Gordon? Gordon? Yeah, that's okay, cool. It's named after okay. him. Yeah. Uh, Xavier McDaniel used to play for the Knicks, who was the X-Man. X-Man, okay. yeah. Doug Minkiewicz. What was it? What are they called, Doug Minkiewicz? Mr. Migsit Picklick. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, Joe Montana, Joe Cool from Peanuts. Okay. <laughs> Mike Piazza and Robin Ventura were called Batman and Robin, while well, with the oh, Mets. Oh, uh-huh. they were... Right. Nate Robinson of the Knicks, who uh, Dwight Howard was called Superman, but yeah. Nate beat him in a slam dunk contest, so they called him Crypto Nate. <laughs> <laughs> um, to the serious, because the book has some serious stuff in too. That's the really good thing about this. It's fun laughing, but for those who are younger at this, which is everybody but me, hmm. um, you, you can go into this book and go, okay, here we go. Top five comic book creator runs. Wow, that's a good list. Okay. Uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Yes. Okay. We actually had a listener who asked about that. Like, um, what past Swamp Things should they uh, read? That, that's the story. Yeah. Right. Oh, and also, can I... pull, it pulls all the issue numbers and everything. So, so. what issues does can it, have, I... what it say on there? Saga of the Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing 20 to 58, 60 mm-hmm. to 61, 63, 64, and annual number annual, two. Annual, yeah. There you go. Uh, Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen's Daredevil, 158 mm-hmm. to 191. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lee and Kirby's FF, 1 to 102. Mm-hmm. Well, there were 102? I think you just wrote that in there anyway. <laughs> I, it's right there. It's okay. right there. Okay. Uh, Claire Martin Burns X Men, 108 to 109, 111 to 143. And number one, uh, we'll leave number one as a trivia question. I mean, for us, you mean? Yeah. Okay. The Ooh, number uh, one top, since we have all those other ones pulled out, it's why I figured I could ask it in this way. Are these like ongoing series? They're not like. No, this is an, this is an older series. Okay, but, but it, it was. But, a, but I mean, it's not like. Limited series, are they? There's not like Watchmen. It's 1 to 75. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. Plus one special. There's your clue. Hmm. Hmm, The number one, 1 to 75, and one special. All right, considering we pulled those other ones out, what would this one be left? It's got to be Spider-Man. No? Mm Mm-mm. No, Lee and Ditko would have been 1 to 37, I guess. 1 to 75? That's a long run. That's a long run. Um, Who? I don't know. I do not know. I got nothing. I got nothing. Rob, you got anything? No. He's about to... Uh, here's a, it, okay, one last... Go ahead. No. Go ahead, Rob. No. No, I was going to uh, say He's Sandman. about to revisit the book. Sandman. Yes. yes. See? Oh. oh. That Neil, makes sense. Neil, well, that's what I, right before you said it, I said I was about to say Sandman, and then and turn up your mic, you'll hear me. So we had a little technical glitch there. So yeah. Rob was saying he was going to say Sandman. Turn mm-hmm. up your mic and you'll hear him. Is that what, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. You'll hear right before Bob you, said the answer. Yeah. You muttered. Sandman. 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 <laughs> uh, how about uh, we're going to throw this open to the floor? Five famous characters who were created in an animated series. Harley. Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Yeah. Okay, number one. Hmm. Created in an animated series. Uh, Static Shock. Nope. 
okay. Huh. Let's I see. Know. Let's see. Let's see. Interesting. Yeah, it is created from a um, animated series. Right. Who then ended up back in back the into con- the book, back into continuity. Oh boy. Hmm, I do not know. It's a, Harley Quinn's the only one I only one I really um, know. How current is this? Uh, it's one, pretty current. Two very current. Mm. One from the seventies due to rights issues. Okay. And the other one's early eighties. Interesting. Huh. Interesting. And it's two Marvel, two DCs. No, three three Marvels. I'm sorry. Huh. Huh. I don't know. Uh, what what are they? X X twenty three. Ah, I didn't know that. I don't even know. first appeared in X Men Evolution. Oh, yep. okay. I've never that seen that. That was the high school series. Right? Oh, wow. Renee Montoya from Batman started in the animated oh, series. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Firestar from Spider-Man and uh, His Amazing Friends. Amazing Friends, Friends <laughs> with Iceman. There you go. And Herbie the Robot. Oh, that's true. From the 70s animated Fantastic Four where the, the Human Torch was optioned off to do its own series. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to put it, so they created Herbie the Robot, which eventually got the crap blown out of them eventually <laughs> in, in the real book. <laughs> Because it was so terrible. How about... Let's give us one more, Bob. Give us one more good one. Okay. The, uh, the, we'll do a worst. We did a lot of bests. <laughs> so... It's not a bad list. A, a list of bad things. Well, right? this is five successful retcons plus, oh. plus the worst okay. of all time. Okay. So... Heroes five Reborn successful... is, the, <laughs> is the worst. No. No, okay, it's okay. not. It's much worse than that. So five <laughs> successful. Uh, Captain America did not make it out of World War II. Okay. Okay. Since mm-hmm. we went through that whole thing with the 50s. Alec Holland is dead, Swamp Thing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Magneto is not a sociopath. <laughs> he's, a, he's a, you know, but it works uh-huh. in that, okay, wow, now he has a backstory that makes him very, very interesting. Mm. Bucky was a commando. Okay. And not okay. the little kid. Yeah. Just following right. Cap around. Because yeah. now, we're, now we're still doing that with yes. Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Bucky did not die mm-hmm. related. Yeah. Rob, I think this one's for you. The the worst retcon of all time. It now has an award named after it once a year in the Comic Buyer's Guide. That's probably why I was uh, channeling CBG before. Uh-huh. Um, hmm. Rob, no, not sure. no. Okay. On, Bob. That Flash got his powers from Mopey. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll just read the, the, the way Brian wrote this because mm. it, it just encapsulates what this book is about. The Silver Age Flash had a pretty typical Silver Age origin. Lightning hit some chemicals that splashed on and he gained superpowers. However, in 1967's Flash number 167, Flash meets Mopey, a short, balding fellow in a robe with big, thick glasses who is a magical, heavenly helpmate. Mopey reveals that it was he who gave the Flash his powers, not a one in a ten quadrillion billion chance, like the chemicals doing this. This origin must have set a record for the fastest time the new origin was ignored and was never mentioned again after his first appearance. Yeah, it's wow. funny because he, he kind of looks like a grown-up Orko from He-Man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, uh, it's terrible. <laughs> the whole hat thing. And, uh-huh. Yeah, and they, they just ditched that. But every year in the CBG, it's sort of it's the Mopey Awards for stupidest Silver Age stuff. So anyway, Interesting. Uh, why does Batman carry shark repellent? It's just a lot of fun. Leave it on your coffee table if you have comic friends coming over, and even not, the cover is just so classic. Mm-hmm. Just fun, just a heck of a lot of fun. All right. Book. Cool. Awesome. Um, and I think that's available right now. I think it's like $9 on Amazon. So 
Uh, that's a good price. Yeah. So $15 cover. So $9 yeah. pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So we'll move on to our books of the week, but thank you very much, Bob, for running us through that. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. So Bob, why don't you start out? What's your, what's your book of the week this week? My book of the week. Briefly, I just want to touch on how wonderful Avenging Spider-Man 10 is as we finish off Carol Danvers introduction. And yes, don't want to say much. If you haven't read it yet, there's some interesting stuff going on with yeah. some characters we've seen it's here. Fine. Uh, World's Finest is, of course, its usual greatness, and we won't say anything at all about Earth 2, but Defenders was good. And uh, Defenders Earth- was fantastic. Right. I oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Earth 2, I think I'm dropping. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, it was, it was yeah. better than last month's, but it was just not good enough to save wh- how bad I last month was. I did not fall for the latest issue. <laughs> I skipped it. Good. You won, it, you won ahead of the rest of us. Yeah. Mm, finally. It's done. Yeah. Just uh, uh, for, for the last issue reveal, I'm not giving anything away, but a costume for the character that pops up on the last page yeah. it, it just does not work yeah no it does not it does not at all we'll show it to i'm showing it to them right now yay <laughs> i'm looking at it so that's something uh bad, bad. something good mm-hmm. now um it's a book that i've looked at a couple of times and picked up and put back and never grabbed and i was over in rob's store on wednesday during new comic day and the Feeding frenzy, shall we put it that way? <laughs> That's perfect. And this got sort of passed through and then got put on the counter. It's called Love and Capes: What to Expect, and it's written and drawn by Timothy Zoller. I'm assuming with the H, it could be Zoller, but I'm going to say Zoller. Is it, is it Thomas? Timothy. Oh, it's Timothy. Okay. Did I say huh. Thomas? It's <laughs> no, Timothy. No, it's Thomas. <laughs> it is. Yes. Why am I saying Timothy? Why did I write Timothy? Well, it's it's Thomas. All right, then. Sorry, Thomas. Anyway, (laughs) what we have here is a superhero romance uh, situation comedy. Uh, We have Abby Spencer and her husband, Mark Spencer. He's the crusader. She runs a bookstore. He's he's an accountant in his spare time. What has happened in the previous issues, which we get a nice little fill-in, which helps those of us like me who haven't read any of this at all, right on the inside front cover, they, in the last issue, have discovered, well, they are pregnant. Well, um... Mark says that. So we're pregnant. Abby says, no, I'm pregnant. We're having a baby. (laughs) And when you see that, you really sort of know where this is headed. It is funny and charming and human. Um, His best friend is the world's greatest detective. Picture it Superman, Batman sort of thing. It's Dark Blade, who's a multi-billionaire, whatever. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so they're sitting on the the edge of of a building, just sort of comparing notes. Um, And and Dark Blade says... The baby could be kidnapped and taken to the future, aged and become your greatest enemy. It turn out to be a magical construct. And Mark goes, you're not helping. <laughs> and it's just filled with it. Abby needs a, uh, you know, uh, OBGYN. You, you have to go down this road. And they go to see Doc Karma. So he's, their, <laughs> he's their Doctor Strange because he, well, he's a super-powered real doctor, which is going to help. And they start to get into, well, the baby could have superpowers. Mm-hmm. Well, remember when they kicked that satellite into space? Well, babies kick. <laughs> well, okay. So we depower the, the baby just in case. And then she's feeling untoward about having a male, female doctor. Yeah, a little bit too much. Right. Mm-hmm. So... Well, not the doctor. I meant the baby. Right. <laughs> the Doc Karma brings the Earth-16 or whatever version, who's a woman... So yeah, they have two different doctors. It is filled with little things like this. It is just charmingly written. It's a wonderful art style, too. It's 
very Looney Tunes, or maybe Animaniacs. I guess it'd very be. Very Animaniacs. Yeah, I could totally yeah. see that. She yeah. looks like the nurse. Yeah, yeah. and it, you, you've got you've got Amazonia. You've got stand-ins for all the characters you want to see. You get family stuff. Their families apparently know what's going on. This is very different. I've not seen anything like this that I can recall. Not having seen the, the I don't know how many issues, forty-seven issues of this. There that I've missed. is three volumes. I in, actually in after trade. reading this, I um I picked up volume one. I highly recommend it, and it seems like it's going around the table here. Rob's Rob's got it too, and now Steve. And yep. please, everyone, pick up Love and Capes. What to expect? You're not going to be disappointed. Yeah, it's um, it's really it's a it's a nice it's a sweet book, and I don't use that word ever. <laughs> um, it's very much like their family will remind you of your family yeah. Im- immediately. I've been in that living room before on too many holidays and during too many occasions. <laughs> Um, it's very down to earth, which while still being about superheroes, it's very, very much grounded in what it feels like to be human and not have superpowers that you identify with, you know, the female lead. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's good. I like, I liked it. I liked it enough to go out and buy and buy the first, uh, collection. So if that's any indication. Very cool. Um, are the collections easily... Available? Like, if you go on Amazon? Yeah, or they're all on yeah. Amazon. There's three of them. Um, they're about, like, 13 to 15 a piece. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's pretty pretty easy way to get into the into the series. Now, can they just read? This is number one, though, right? Yeah. Can uh, they read this and just well, be fine? You, all you, it is written so well. You know these characters. This first page mm-hmm. tells you almost everything you need from about Mark and Abby. But the inside front cover gives you all the particulars. Okay. And in, it's just put together well. It's it, in that old way where everyone's first issue is someone's first issue. Here it is. Here's how you do that. All right. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and there's actually a review about the site. Uh, Mara Whiteside did a review for us on the site. So yeah, she beat me to it. Yeah. Check that right. out. <laughs> but a very nice review by Mara. Yeah, she did a very good job. Um, Rob, you're the guest here. What is your uh, What is your book of the week? Uh, <clears throat> well, mine happens to be Mind the Gap, number three. Uh, I'll kind of just tail it into all three issues uh, over the past sure. three months they've come out. Uh, that's written by Jim McCann, uh, the art by Roden, what did we say? Esquejo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, and it's the same guy that actually does the art for Morning Glories, right? No. No, no. Joe no, it isn't Eisma. It? It's Joe Eisma. Joe Eisma is the artist for Morning Glories. Does he do the covers? Um, maybe because Eisman does not do the covers for uh, Morning Glories, so it's possible. Yes, I believe he does the covers. Okay. Anywho, um, th- <laughs> this is a great, uh, I want to say, mind fuck. Uh, basically, what it is, um, a tragedy happens on a subway platform without giving anything away, and she wakes up. Uh, main character L. She wakes up from a coma in sort of a, a dream state. Uh, they call it the garden, where all the wandering souls go. And she's trying to solve what happened to her. Uh, it's, it's just written in such a way where you just want to grab a pen and paper and, and sit there and like put your Sherlock Holmes hat on yeah. and take notes and you know figure out what happened. Uh, she has... You know, her crabby family with the little douchebag brother. Um, She has her theater friends. There's the hospital staff who doesn't believe what people are telling them. There's 
her spirit guide, uh, and just such a wonderful cast of characters. And it's it's written in such a way, I, I kind of summarized it, where there's this one doctor who who is not nice, I'll, I'll put it that way. And in one panel, it was written in such a way where I, I hated this guy. And to do that in one panel, is, it's just like absolutely brilliant. I remember that. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's... it's up to issue number three, uh, very, very available. Um, Jim McCann has done so much great stuff. He did Return of Dapper Men, uh, Hawkeye Mockingbird, Hawkeye Blindspot. Yeah, yeah uh, a lot of a lot of great books out there, and I highly suggest you you pick it up. Uh, the, the first book is well over forty pages for two ninety nine with with bunch of bonus wow. content in the back. Yeah. Uh, g- great letter columns with the community binding together and putting out their own theories to the mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so so definitely go check it out. Uh, I believe the first trade is going to wind up collecting the first five issues for ten dollars. Oh wow! Uh, so that's a couple of months away. I would say maybe three months away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you should be able to go out. There's definitely a second print on number one. Uh, have you read it, Steve? Yeah, I've read it. I was actually going to point out a few things. Um, as far as the mystery portion, it's a murder mystery is what it is. Um, and they tell you that like flat out in the book. And what they do is at the end of every issue is they kind of summarize things that you may or may not. They don't give anything away, but they're like, if you noticed in this mm-hmm. panel, you know, like the, the time of the accident you there's clocks every couple pages you see where everyone is and at what time they're like you might want to pay attention to the times on the clocks if you want to figure out who was where and when Mm -hmm. why is his jacket wet right blah 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 um and also the other thing i wanted to point out was that there's a big uh, not a big emphasis but there's a there's an underlying emphasis of music um yeah if you like what i consider to be good bands Blind Melon, Nirvana, like all this Pink stuff. Floyd. Pink Floyd. Um, there's all of these like tips of the hat to those kinds of things. So for music enthusiasts, mm-hmm. you're going to see that throughout the series and you're just going to, it's going to give you an extra little like, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I smiled and like when the first couple pages. Yeah, um, I know he's a huge music enthusiast. Uh, he used to write for theater and soap operas and this book is set in New York City. And he used to live in New York City, so he he basically the the city is its own character. He knows how to make it live and breathe. Uh, is this a uh, ongoing or is this a limited series? Uh, good question. That I do not know offhand. It doesn't say like one of six. No, 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 no. Okay, cool. So, uh, so people like you said that the first trade is probably like the first five. Correct. Now. Not that people should necessarily trade weight for things, but you said it's a murder mystery. You know, um, sometimes from month to month, it's kind of tough to keep up that kind of involvement from a reader perspective in something like that. You know, without going back and having to read uh, older issues to kind of get themselves reacclimated. Is it something that if people waited for the trade, they might sure. get more out of? Or, uh, but, well, I say two different ways. I kind of liken it to. You know, if if you watched Lost, when you watched one episode and the next episode's next week, did you rewatch the first episode to, you know, kind of catch up on the second episode? Well, you're asking me personally? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would always watch every episode twice. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not saying I'm not, that's not everybody. Uh-huh. But I would do that so because of that reason. So I was up on all of the 
little things. But I just want to know, is it something that if you, if you read issue one a month ago and then you read issue two a month later, um, would you just be okay reading issue two? Is it so specific about like clues and stuff that you need to go back and read issue one? No, I, I think after you read the issue, you'll, you'll have it pretty set in stone in your head. You're not, you're not going to... You're not going to have to go back. I, I didn't have to go back. I definitely have to go back. <laughs> well, that, how much stuff do you read in, in whole, though? I think a that, whole lot. Mm-hmm. I think for people so I don't who... Remember anything. I think for people who <laughs> might read... a good question. I think for people who might read like two or three series and you know add this on for their fourth, they're going to be fine. But if you're reading like 40 or 50 different series, then, then yeah, some right. stuff might slip out of your head. Sure. Yeah. And what well, if they add Ghost about. a couple of months from now, which is another one of those who killed me uh-huh. things. Yep. It could start to get confusing. Um, I, I'm going to because like with Morning Glories, let's, let's say... I'll often have to go back and at least peruse the issue before or even a couple issues before just be like, oh, they're talking about something and I know this happened earlier. Um, and that series is not very new reader friendly. It's not very – It's that series is very much if you want to know what's going on, you have to be completely engrossed in what's happening or you're not going to know. And that's kind of what I was asking you about this. You know, In issue three, they might reference that happens in issue one, let's say in Mind the Gap. But if they're friendly about it, then you don't really have to go back. But sometimes people aren't friendly about it. Uh, well, just like Love and Capes, they have an absolutely amazing uh, little catch-up page okay. on the inside cover. Excellent. So, yeah, they, they, they'll catch you up on absolutely everything that happened in the story so far. Good to know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, because yeah. with these kind of series, I love these kind of intense, you know, series, intense, intensely plotted series. But sometimes with the month-to-month structure, it, it gets tough. Because like, unlike a TV show, which is week-to-week... You know, it's a lot easier to remember things um, week to week than month to month. I think, I mean, the for me, the the book, first of all, I, I love it. Um, but it's a very, um, a lot more than just the plot and just the mystery part of it. There's a lot of solid character work going on in this. The family, yeah. like, you don't like them. The mother, you just you just want to, like, throw a drink yeah, at her Yeah, she face. always has that, like, stern <laughs> yeah. look on her yeah. face. The, the, the douchebag brother, you just want to empty his bank account and watch him go, like, <laughs> destitute. Uh-huh. Um, so for that reason, I would say that aside from the beginning, I mean, the beginning first page does do an excellent job, and for somebody that had read it and then maybe had to, a month later, needed to get caught up and didn't have time to go back and reread, it certainly will help you, but if you really want to get the full enjoyment out of it, you will take the time. And it's only it's only three issues, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I would say that you do need to you need to read it all, especially to appreciate the mystery because there's a lot of nuances to it. Um, but yeah, it's excellent. Mm-hmm. I've been enjoying it. But me saying you have to go back was not a negative connotation. I wasn't no, no, saying no, it was a negative thing. I was just wondering and kind of sure, like, you were, dense Bobby. storytelling. No, exactly. No, you, yeah. no, sometimes you do need. Yeah. Can you has anyone read you know, the Doyle Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, read, right. Okay, if you read half a story and put it down, and then go to pick it up again, you'd better go back ten or fifteen pages. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's that the whole same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like if you leave a book exactly that's like that, you have to go back and recall pages to kind of get yourself reacclimated. Okay, cool. Um, so Steve, you were teasing me with with your book earlier in the <laughs> earlier in the afternoon Tease? he was teasing you with a pixie book yeah he was <laughs> he was uh sending me text messages yes well all right what i'm gonna do this week is i'm gonna base instead of talking i am gonna talk about books 
But I'm going to talk about a character, and I'm going to talk about doing a character one way and then doing them a completely different, other weird way. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, character is Pixie, of course, from the X-Men, and our uh, good friend and guest, Mr. Rob, had suggested that I... You okay with Mr. Rob? You make a face. <laughs> no, no. no right. That is fine. <laughs> so... He gave me this book. It's um, Pixies and Demons Director's Cut. It came out in 2008, and it's uh, written by Mike Carey with um, art by Greg Land, who is going to be the artist on the Invisible Iron Man. Well, he's not invisible. He's I just... said invincible. <laughs> no, you didn't. You, <laughs> you said, said invisible. invisible. Well, anyway, boner, boner <laughs> he does time have a stealth for that suit. fucking... Listen, <laughs> the whiskey's been poured. I'm not responsible for an S or an N, whatever go. the fuck comes first. So anyway, X-Men, Pixies and Demons, Director's Cut. What you have is a standalone story of Pixie, and this takes place after her first year of being with the X-Men. Okay. She was at the school. Horrible events, I don't remember what they were, but horrible events happened at the school, caused it to shut down. The, the Xavier School, Jean Grey School, they're always getting trashed, yeah. and the kids have got to go and live with their parents for a summer while they rebuild and whatever. Yeah. So she goes back home to Wales, and she's essentially, she's having like a little bit of separation anxiety where she absolutely positively loved being a part of the X-Men team. And the thought of going back home, like usually people are excited to see their parents and go back home and tell them all their adventures. She feels the opposite. Like she feels as, almost as if they didn't want her and she's been kind of kicked out. She's like Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's like instead of, you know, obviously you guys are building the school, but you're still adventuring and you're still saving people, but you told me to go home. Right. So I don't know if I really belong. And what happens is people in her hometown start to disappear. She discovers that there are things creeping and crawling around, and she decides to investigate. What ultimately ends up happening, and this is very short, but it's absolutely excellent, is she discovers that she belongs with the X-Men. She, through this story, she comes to realize that, that she is a vital, like they value her as, as an X-Man. So that's, that's the moral of this. Anyway, the, the art is fantastic. Really, really good, like in-depth into the character. I've never read anything with her in it before. Um, just a really, really solid look at what she can do. Her powers, her personality, um, her, her wanting to help people. You know, some people would jump at the chance at having a vacation and not have to do anything. She wants to continue saving the world and, and doing things with people. So anyway, this was really, really, really solid, and it got me really, really jazzed. And Rob was telling me, he's like, you're going to love this. He's like, it's one of the best things, you know, that I've read uh, with her involved. And I said, awesome. So, of course, I'm going through the piles, and I find more pixie stuff. And I came across uh, X-Men Pixie Strikes Back. It's a one of four, and it's written by Catherine uh, Emonin with art by one of my favorites, Sarah Pacelli. Ah. Now, what was strange about X-Men Pixie Strikes Back was that it was like, it was one of the most confusing, convoluted, strange, oddly presented books I have ever read ever. <laughs> um, and it completely, completely derailed me off of my high from reading wow. the other the other Pixie book. Um, it's one of those things where I can't decide whether 
I really liked it and I don't get it <laughs> or if it was just as horrible as <laughs> I because I like I like the writer mm-hmm. the art's not a problem the art's great Sarah Pacelli does a great job but it was one of those things where like you're watching like a funny movie or an independent movie where they're like you know or like like let's say Grindhouse where you're watching stuff and then they're like scene missing right you know they throw up okay. that little thing mm-hmm. I felt like every couple of panels, there should have been one of those (laughs) because there's conversations happening that you turn the page and all of a sudden you're like in, you're on, you're in utopia. You turn the page, you're hanging out with her mom. The next page you're in high school and everyone's brainwashed. And what the story of it basically is, is a, um, I guess like a band of demons have taken, Pixie's power um, from this dagger, and they basically uh, stabbed her and injected her with her own power and put her and her friends, who are other members of the X-Men, into, like, a Pixie dream sleep. (laughs) Am I right? Yes. Okay. I just like how you put it. But it's just, it's so so not clearly defined what's going on and where you are in the story, this thing is four issues. And for all four issues, every couple of pages, I was like, I have no idea what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on. And they have the the little blurbs at the beginning to catch you up. And normally you read those and like you have that epiphany. Like you didn't understand everything. So you can read that and you're like, ah, okay. Mm-hmm. I read that and I was like, now I'm even more confused. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, I mean I, the moral of the story is, I mean... You know, different writers handle characters differently, and you're not always going to get what you want. So I went from one extreme to the other. I want to read it again because I, I feel like the, the book challenged me and challenged my comprehension right, yeah. as broken as that can be <laughs> at times. Like, it's something I feel like I should have understood. Right. And especially if it was so, you know, out there and tripped out. I mean, I should have been right at home, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So you've read mm. both, Rob. What do you think? No, I, I do agree with you. Uh, different writers, different takes on characters. I, I just think with, uh, like you said, with the time jumps and stuff like that, I just think that was a, a, how she was relaying the story. Yes, it was confusing. Uh, yeah, but there were no there were no like markers to be like, this is then, that was now, and then, you know, we're here. Like mm-hmm. you, like you told me we were in Utopia. Thank you, but everything else was just it moved from one thing to the other to the other, and there were characters that that facilitated absolutely nothing towards the story. They served no purpose. Mm-hmm. So, and I, you've read it. I think you know who I'm talking about. Yes. Okay. I don't want to give anything away, but. Uh... I don't know if this review is going to make people go jump out and buy it. Would would, would longer swatches of the separate storylines have helped instead of a couple of page, couple of page, couple of page? If you got to sit in a spot for four pages, would it have? I think, like he was saying, time markers would have helped or location markers. Just simply, meanwhile, correct utopia, uh huh, or like different colored text for this is where we are now. Like some of the some of the language of like I understand that they're supposed to be in high school and they're just a gaggle of girls and this and that, but the the language of it was just so it felt far fetched. Like I felt like everybody was dazzler. 
for uh, for several pages. Do they do they talk with with Tesla? Do they talk with S's in front of every word? No, no, we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to my book. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. But um, if you can find it, uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend uh, Mike Carey written with art by Greg Land. Uh, X Men Pixies and Demons Director's Cut. It's a one shot. It's absolutely awesome. Pixie, uh, X-Men Pixie Strikes Back, me, not so much. If you want like a, a brain buster, you want to try, you want to read this and then you want to get in touch with me, you figured it out and you want to show me up and tell me something about it that I missed, then I fucking welcome it because I don't know how many times I could read this and if I would get everything out of it. Like I get the overall, right? but it was not a satisfying read because I spent most of it with my hands up in the air. And I know you need hands to hold a comic book, right, so I, I rested on my lap. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough to read the comic book. Yes. Uh, what's Pixie's power? Rob? Because uh, she, she has magical pixie dust that, that basically makes makes her enemies hallucinate and okay. kind of go into a dream state. Okay. And she's able to uh, pull out a soul dagger, and uh, and she fights with that. Okay. And, and she flies. Because I did not know who she was. She's like... Scarecrow, but with like happy dust, <laughs> <laughs> or a, not a, nearly as scary. A grown-up Tinkerbell with a okay. knife. Yes. All right. Timothy Leary with wings. Mm. Yes. I love that. Uh, <laughs> that's but, awesome. Funny enough, speaking of like that uh, confused feeling when you feel like you should understand things, I just finished Batman R.I.P. Aha. Um, and that is similar in that situation. Mm. the The last two issues of that uh, are kind of like a dream thing that's happening. Batman is like forced to, he's forced to experience memories because people are trying to steal his memories and make like soldiers out of him or whatever out of his mm. memories, um, and he's being forced to remember things or or they're implanting fake memories into his head. And Grant Morrison is confusing enough when he's writing just a normal plot, <laughs> but when he's writing like a crazy dream plot, it gets really really confusing. And it wasn't until halfway through the second of these two issues that I was like, oh. I get it. And then I went back and I was like, okay, now all this stuff makes a lot more sense. Um, really, really good. Just very confusing. Some really cool stuff, though, in it. And the way that Batman's... It really says something about Batman's psyche. Because these like clone things can't handle his psyche. So they start like destroying wow. themselves because mm-hmm. they can't handle like what's going on in his head. Uh, it's a really great story. Interesting story about Batman's psychology. It's very obviously very dark and very like you know intense and and fierce, but really interesting take on you know the Joker's relationship to Batman and stuff like that. Uh, and also some really weird grabs from like really old Batman stuff. So uh, it's it's a cool book. But uh, so I finished that. Uh, I picked up the Punisher uh, trade uh, from Rob and. Uh, now I'm going to be reading that series. <laughs> Yay! Ongoing, uh, Greg Rucka, mm. and it was—it's fantastic. It, it, I've never cared about the Punisher before, ever. I just I, when, when I was a kid, I thought, "Oh, that looks cool," you know. But other than that, when I've read anything about him, it, the whole fact that he just kills people never really jived with me. He um, just showed up in Runaways. Oh yeah, that I've been really? reading. Yeah, <laughs> and I I did not like him. Yeah, at all. Well, and the, my only exposure to the Rucka Punisher book was when they did the Omega Effect, uh, Daredevil, and I just did not because I was reading that book. I just did not like it. I was like, this is not 
what I'm looking for. And, and to be honest, yeah. that that is the weakest issue of the run. Gotcha. Um, but but yeah, it's you'll you'll see when you finish the whole series, you'll. you'll so see. I pick it up and I'm reading it, and interesting enough, like the first couple issues, Frank Castle is barely in them. He's very much on on the inside. He's very much a force. It's very much more about these two cops and this reporter who are kind of reacting to the situation and this kind of crime syndicate that's also reacting to what he's doing. Uh, it begins with this kind of like uh, almost like Kill Bill-like thing where this mob hit happens on this wedding and it, they kill the entire wedding party um, and the groom and leave the bride for dead. She ends up surviving um, but her entire, basically, her, her family is dead. Da-da-da. And her husband, who she's been married to for a couple hours, is now dead. And so now she wants revenge, revenge you know, on, for what Ooh. happened to her. Um, I sense a spin-off. And she happens to be a former Marine. Yeah, You're a former Marine as well. Come. So there's a very, there's a parallels to Frank Castle, obviously, in a lot of ways. Um, it feels to me like a Fincher movie. That's what it feels like to me, like the, the, the story. Uh, really dark... Uh, I'm not gonna be able to say the the artist's name. It's a uh, hmm. It's Chichetto. Okay. Yeah, I think that's his Ch- name. Marco Chichetto. Uh, really interesting dark art and um, works in a lot of dark colors, but there's also a, always a lot of good contrast and stuff. And Ooh, that's are, pretty. Yeah, really dark, but obviously re- lots of red. Yeah, lots of red, <laughs> lots of blood. Um, but it, it's just great, and I, I didn't expect to love it. You know, I I. I got it on Rob's recommendation because he's been talking it up for weeks now, and it was just, it was fantastic. So definitely, if you guys are not reading that, uh, I got the hardcover, but the paperback came out uh, last week as well. So uh, you guys should definitely pick that up. Yeah, it's, it's weird because the, the hardcover is nineteen ninety nine uh, for, you know, a nice hardcover. The paperback is sixteen ninety nine. What? So for the, the $3, I highly suggest you, you kind of yeah, just jump up to the hardcover. Right. Uh, and there's a really fun. The last story in is like, uh, like a, I guess it was a backup in a Spider Island issue called "I Love New York." Oh, that was great! <laughs> and it's all of these. Just the title is hysterical. Yeah, it's all of these uh, like cause in Spider Island, all these everybody, all the New York get spider powers, and there are these criminals that are robbing a bank, and they're like, their spider sense starts going off. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is. Uh, and the Punisher intervenes in what's going on, but in a very clever, fun way. Um, so those are books that have come up previously. Uh, the book that came out this week that I want to talk about is uh, uh, Matt Fraction and uh, David... Uh, not David, right? No, David uh, Aja. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is Hawkeye, number one. So this is the story, obviously, of Clint Barton, who's Hawkeye. And it, I picked it up expecting one thing and got something completely different. I was expecting... You know, Hawkeye being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and, you know, globe-trotting and what have you, what have you. And it's not that at all. It's it's Clint Barton living in this run-down apartment building where he's kind of almost like Robin Hood to these people. He's taking care of people, the less fortunate people, um, and really just very street-level stuff, which I was not expecting. Uh, really funny uh, Clint has a, a good sense of humor, uh, good action. The beginning I love because the beginning is basically that shot from the Avengers where he jumps off the roof and is all cool and swings down and he's fine. And in this, almost the same thing happens except you know he just slams in the side of the building and falls and hurts himself and he ends up in the ba- hospital. Badly hurts. Yeah, uh-huh. Exactly. Um, and I love the, the like the title page. I love it because it just says 
Clint Barkin, Clint Barkin, Clint Barton, aka Hawkeye, became the greatest sharpshooter known to man. He then joined the Avengers. This is what he does when he's not being an Avenger. That's all you need to know. <laughs> that is perfect. That. Yeah. And the great thing about it is it couldn't feel farther away from what's going on with the Avengers. You know, there's never a moment I was like, well, why doesn't he just call Tony Stark to come in and help him out? Because obviously these problems are not Tony Stark problems. You know, they're not yeah. Thor problems. They're problems you have to deal with on a street level. And much like, you know, like Spider-Man or Daredevil characters like that, those characters, there's a reason why they don't call in other people because their problems are very, become very personal. And I, I loved it. I, I was, it reminded me of like a 70s movie in a lot of, like a 70s mm-hmm. cop movie in a lot of ways. And I'm just... Uh, I'm so excited to read the rest of it. Yeah, I, ju- I just read it tonight, and I'm going to have to pick it up tomorrow. <laughs> awesome. So put, one, put one aside. <laughs> I shall. It is it's Stan Lee and Roy Thomas's Clint Barton. Mm-hmm. It, it turned into something else over the years. This is a guy living in bed in a terrible building with mm-hmm. neighbors being kicked out by their cheesy Russian mafia landlord. <laughs> He's dealing with, just as you're saying, Bobby, ground-level regular folk stuff. What, what Matt Fraction does here better than uh, – like, Hawkeye has gotten to be a very snarky, unlikable character. He comes from – he's a carny guy. He, you know, he, he was – you know, back in Tales of Suspense 57, he's shooting arrows in a carnival at, 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 at someone, you know, standing in front of a target. We're back to that. He respects who Captain America is. Yeah. Deeply so, instead of fighting with him every other panel that he's been in Avengers for the last, I don't know, two or three years since. Wasn't he dead? Uh, he did yeah, die. Yeah. came back right yeah, before yeah. the House of M stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wanda killed Correct. Him? Right. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> anyway, no, this was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, Matt Fraction is right at the top of my list lately. Yeah. I'm just really loving what he does in Defenders, certainly. Mm-hmm. And it, we're going to talk about him later, too. Yes, yeah, so, so I'll shut up now. I'll shut up now. Has anyone else read Hawkeye? I have. Steve. Yes. What did you think of it? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I've never read anything with Hawkeye in it, aside from maybe like this AVX, little AVX event that's going on right mm-hmm. now. Um, Is there something going on? Yeah, there's <laughs> a little, I, missed I don't it? know. Something, I mean, they're fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, you know, I don't know, took away somebody's powers. Some oh, shit. well. Anyway, back, anyway, back to the real story. Um, yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I mean, it's pretty much me repeating what you said. I did not expect it to be what it was. Yeah. And because it like kind of hit me from left field, I enjoyed it that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea of it being street level. I love the idea of him being like a part of the people and being for the people and not just part of this giant Avengers mess. There's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my least favorite character in the film that was just came that just came out. Um, not for any particular reason. I just he was the one that I attached myself to the least. Right. And I expected it to be like, you know, Jeremy Renner comic book, pretty much. Um, And it wasn't. So um, I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad that I haven't read anything Hawkeye because with this being my introduction to the character, uh, I'm like, I'm right there with it. I'm I'm really excited to read it. And uh, I'm hoping that with what we're going to talk about in a little bit, that there's going to be more of that. Yeah. Um, You know, introductions to characters that I know of. I've just never dedicated myself to a book specifically starring them. Right. So I'm glad that, you know, Matt Fraction's new run is going to be my introduction to him because that's a Hawkeye that I could really I could really get into. Yeah. Um and Rob, what about you? 
Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it too. Uh, I was very much anticipating the book based on their run, what they did with uh, Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's another character, semi street level. Uh, you know, they they keep them in the the background, I guess you could say, and they did amazing things with. And here you are again with with Hawkeye. And, and yeah, just the whole city scene and the little problems that, that he's solving, it, it's not on this grand level scale. I think it's, it's probably the change like that. We, we're just on such a burnout from the, this whole world mm-hmm. disaster stuff that's going on where, where this little story just, just feels, you know, comfortable, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, and I love Pizza Dog. <laughs> I tell you the one thing that you mentioned 70s before and I want to say something and it flew out of my head in my joy about reading this book I want Matt Fraction to do Luke Cage yes because this this is that sort of this is what Luke Cage was back in the 70s it's regular people regular issues there's so much good story in that right and is there, uh, since I have event burnout I am completely done mm-hmm. This sort of storytelling and what he's doing here, I'm I'm in for Hawkeye from here on, and probably anything else he writes. Whoa, <laughs> that's awesome! Yeah, the uh, what I really love about it too is that I didn't even get to mention this in my review. Really, is that I love the way that it's plotted out because it's not plotted out; it's nonlinear in the way it's it's made. No, it goes back and forth, and it uses colors to kind of show you what what time in the narrative it is. And I really like that a lot. And it, it, it mirrored events, you know. Um, with him, like in the doctor's office, and him getting thrown out the window, you know, the, and it did those great, you know, bookended lines next to each other, like yep. the match cut stuff, which is funny because Kelly Sue was talking about that when mm-hmm. she was here. Yep. Um, which I, I really, really loved. Uh, so yeah, I, I went crazy for it. I, I'm I'm so excited to see what comes next. Uh, but mentioning really quick about event stuff, I will say this: um, I feel like this last issue of AVX was the most personal issue that's happened so far. The smallest issue, I think, even though big stuff happening, we got really all focused down on basically one character, um, on Spider-Man, um, doing Spider-Man stuff, you know, which is fighting against odds that he shouldn't be able to, to conquer and using other things about him. Um, mm. Should that be the eighth issue of a 12-issue um, event? Probably not, because like, not that much happens in, in the book, and at this point, I would, you know, you'd like kind of things to be moving downhill at this point. Towards there are four the great pages of Peter Parker, mm-hmm. oh, who happens to be wearing yeah. the Spider-Man costume. Right. Uh-huh. The moment, can, can I? <laughs> I haven't read it. Okay. <laughs> There's a moment where he harkens back to his history yes. that is lump in the throat. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. It's the 18 pages that surround it. That are a problem. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the the whole issue probably takes takes in a span of maybe a half hour. Yes, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's what it seems. It seems like it's more that would it would be more a side a tie in issue than a main issue of the book. Well, he's been I mean from from where I'm standing, he's just been kind of hanging out. Yeah, for the majority, well, the whole thing. Yeah. Well, the, really. the, the, this ties it all up. Yeah. Everything yeah. that's been they, going. I mean, as far as whenever I've seen Spider Man, unless he's actually a part of the team. I mean, I know he's part of the team, but this whole AVX event, he's kind of just been like sidelined mm-hmm. and and you know he tries to talk to people mm-hmm. and they all just treat him like he's some snarky <laughs> jerk right but there's well, a new avengers is it 26 7 the last couple of issues he's where, been in because it's the whole iron fist thing where they're trying Correct. to tie it in and he's training hope okay. because uh, of what his 
Yeah. And that mantra ha- is about yeah. responsibility. Yes. And at least it's not Iron Man. Iron Man's been sitting reading a book for the past five issues. Yes, yes. Like at the same desk <laughs> with the same effing candles lit. Yeah, he has. That is very true. Um, there's this great line that Fairman has at the beginning, and it kind of echoes the whole thing, which is, you know, the, the thing about being in the Avengers is no matter how big the problem, no matter how many people yeah. are in Avengers, at some point, it's your turn to step up. And when you have to step, you're gonna step up. You have to step up, and yeah. it's about him stepping up yeah. when it's his turn. Um, it's a great, it has a great Spider-Man stuff in it. It just feels like a tie-in issue. It doesn't feel like it's thrusting yeah. the main plot forward. I mean, something happens that thrusts the main plot forward, but it's really kind of one thing. Uh, it's well written. It just feels again like it's spinning its wheels in in a lot of ways. Got to get to twelve issues somehow. Yeah. So let's backwards. Stretch. Exactly, spinning yeah. its wheels backwards. Exactly. Snooze. <laughs> um, We're all trapped, though. We have to admit, we are we are trapped. I mean, we are especially trapped. We are trapped. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, for me, I'm more excited about what's going to come after at this point now than what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. The, the the relaunch which we're going to talk about after the break mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the new creative teams that got announced uh, we're going to talk about some sales numbers and we're going to talk about some Marvel movie stuff yeah, yeah. right after this you want to say something Bob before we go no no you don't want me to say anything in those <laughs> spots so I'm not going to say anything we'll be right back Back, we are going to talk about some Marvel news. Um, we're going to start out with the announcement of the Marvel Now creative teams that kind of came out over the span of last week. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one to come out was uh, the Marvel Now is Invincible, which uh, has been now confirmed as the Iron Man book. Um, it's just going to be Iron Man, uh, not Invincible Iron Man, Iron Man number one. Um, Kieran Gillen and Greg Land. Yes. Uh, so Steve and I have talked about Gillen many, many times in relation to Journey into Mystery, mm-hmm. uh, which we love. He also writes on Kenny X Men at, at this point. Um, and we talked about Greg Land earlier in the show. Yes. Uh, so Steve, I'm, I'm guessing you're excited about this creative team. I that might be the one that I'm the most excited about. Um, I've never read an Iron Man book ever, so. Uh, the idea of him writing it and then Greg Land doing the art, I am 110% on board and super, super pumped. Um, I'll get to the other ones that I'm excited about later, but I am, I am so ready for that. So yeah, a hundred yet. I, nothing but excitement from me. I'm with you. I've also never read a solo Iron Man book before, so hey, hey, I'm excited about it. Greg Land is an interesting combination artist. It's painterly Alex Rossi. If that's such a word, sure but it is. What, what he is is a he's a better layout artist. There's the action seems to be organic stuff happens in the way they're laid. The panels are laid out better. Mm-hmm. Ross is great to just look at. And mm-hmm. it's like, holy crap! Look at what that looks like. Land tells a better story, and very realistic. So for a Tony Stark story, where you're going to want to see technology and stuff and people and emotions. Land is just an inspired choice, and I'm very jealous because he's not doing Captain America, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, uh, Gillen did an interview, uh, I think it was yesterday, and he talked about how the first five issues of the run are going to be very standalone, so that the first five issues are, can all be jumping on points for new readers, and it's not just 
segmented to uh, the number of ones. He's saying the right things. I'm starting to like it. <laughs> um, and then you know, from there, obviously, there'll be a larger story that starts to materialize. But he wants it to be even more friendly than just, if it says number one, you can buy it. If it's any of these five, uh, you can pick it up and uh, start reading it. He also said awesome. that he, he's going to be going a little bit away from, he said that, I mean, I've been reading any of Fraction's Iron Man run, but he says Fraction is very focused on, I guess, like the businessman aspect yeah. of Tony a, a lot. And he said he's re- that's not really going to be what he's going to be focusing on because he thinks that the uh, Fraction stuff was so good and such a great vision of the character, you can't duplicate it. So he's got to go for something oh. else. Um, I mean, Tony obviously still be a businessman, but uh, it's not going to be a focus on that. What do you think of this team, Rob? Um I do, I do like it. Uh, writer-wise, obviously, I'm, I'm super excited for. Uh, with Greg Land, uh, there is a lot of controversy with, with his artwork. Uh, a lot of people believe he traces, and there, there's a, a lot of stuff online that you could see the original mm. art... Okay. And then, and then his stuff comparison to it. Um, and I mean, I, I don't want to jump in and, you know, pile on him. That there's a lot of jokes that people make. I, I like Swiping. the I like the look of of his stuff. Just like you say, good good layout stuff like that. Um, I just don't like his his faces sometimes. Like sometimes. It it just looks not natural in the scene that it's supposed to be in, like you know, inappropriate. Correct. Yeah, uh, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Uh huh. There's a wry smile where there should be consternation. Uh huh. Or like an open mouth, like like you know, it's yeah. it's, it's hard uh, to I, explain no, it without you know making those faces. Since this is radio, and correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm super psyched, and actually, I think what I'm more excited about is the fact that. Usually, when these big movies are coming out, so we know Iron Man 3 is coming out, they kind of tend to go towards the villain of that movie, and they'll write a story based around that villain. Like Amazing Spider-Man just did a whole lizard storyline, which happened to be very good. But uh, Fraction's whole storyline that, that's tying up now was heavily focused on the Mandarin, mm-hmm. so I, I don't think that they're, they're going to go that route, which... which I like because I don't like it when when the villain of the next movie needs to be in the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm happy. All right. Uh so we seem pretty all pretty positive mm-hmm. on especially the writer, I maybe mean, not necessarily the uh the artist. Um so next one was uh, Marvel Now is Worthy, which is Thor. Um Thor. Thor God of Thunder will be the name of that book. Um, Jason Aaron, obviously Wolverine the X-Men, he's doing the Incredible Hulk, Mm -hmm. uh, Avengers vs. X-Men, and I don't, Isad Ribic, I don't know, I'm not sure how to say his name, Uh, he was a penciler on the Loki series, um, does does some uncanny X-Force work, Um, he also did all the covers for the House of M uh, event. Mm -hmm. Um, So Jason Aaron talked about this, but we have interviews with both uh, uh, Gillen and Aaron, and this one talked about Thor and he said that uh, his story is going to be very focused uh, on he said he called it three different Thors which is going to be younger Thor kind of current Thor and kind of crazy in the future Thor Thor. like King Thor things have gone horribly wrong yeah exactly so it's going to be a uh, you know eon spanning story because he says you know Thor is a big character and it it kind of lends itself to these these big um, big stories Um, so Bob, what do you think of this? Well, I saw a little bit, probably the same interview you did. There's a, a little chilling factor to me 
Gore the serial killer of gods. Uh, can we lose some of the death and destruction just for a bit? You know, I mean, Asgard has gotten blown up and sent to Arkansas or Oklahoma, where the hell it was. Can't we have Asgard for a bit as the refuge of the gods? Can we not have all this crap? And just during the whole fear itself thing, they had all the crazy gods and, yes. you know, killing each other and stuff. So it seems going that way is repetitive. Yeah. Give me some grandeur. Mm. <laughs> Give me some Odin stuff. And Though he's probably dead again. No, he's alive. No, he's, he's, he's alive. alive. He's alive. Yes. He's alive in Journey to Mystery. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that he, okay. he is alive uh, now. Um, I love the era-spanning idea of it, though. Yeah, yeah. That, that is cool. I mean, we'll have to see. You know, that's the, he said that's going to be kind of the... Uh, that links all the eras together. I don't know how... We, he doesn't really say if that's going to be the focus of everything, or, you know, that just kind of gives you the idea of this new villain they're creating. I think they kind of sure. wanted to... Emphasize the fact that they're bringing a new villain in, uh, into the scene. Or See, years ago, the original journey into mystery, which then became the mighty Thor. Rob, help me out here. I don't. I forget what issue it was. Where they started Tales of Asgard as a backup feature. Yes. Where you had the first half of the book was Thor, mm-hmm. and then eight pages of young Thor, young Loki, the warriors, uh, the warriors. Three, yep. All sorts of stuff would go on. You could tell these other stories in the backup. I'd almost like to see that, and as than trying to meld three stories into one 22-pager. That that's how Journey into Mystery has felt, you know, almost like that, where you, where you have that kind of sense of adventure and just not the main focus on Thor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love Jason Aaron, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I love Wolverine and the X-Men, so I'm quite interested to see what he does with Thor. And again, I've only read one issue of a Thor comic. You know, I mean, I've read Journey to Mystery, but I have not read um, any Thor individual books. So I, I'm also excited to pick this up for the kind of the first Thor book I'm going to be really uh, mm. taking on. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so the next up is uh, Indestructible. Right now is Indestructible, which is the the Hulk. Um, mm-hmm. Would be Mark Wade and Lionel. You? Yes, Len. Len. It's Len Yu. Len Yu? Mm. Okay. Um, so Mark Wade obviously is doing Daredevil uh, right now. He's done runs on The Flash, Captain America, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Legion of Superheroes. He wrote Kingdom Come. Um, wrote that Doctor Strange miniseries that I just got from your house yes. yesterday. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're going to love that. Um, and Len Yu is, worked with Mark Wade on Superman Birthright. Uh, Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion, uh, Superior with Mark Millar, and he drew my favorite issue of Avenging Spider-Man, which was the one with Cap. Yep. Ah. Yeah. So, Rob, what do you think about this? What do you think about Wade taking on the Hulk? I'm. That's probably what I'm most excited for. Okay. Absolutely. Why? Uh, I mean, just his take on Daredevil. Uh, he's going to throw in some, I guess you could say, almost a mystical plight onto the Hulk and keep the humor part that's been missing for so long. I mean, ever since World War Hulk and Planet Hulk. Uh, I agree. I checked out there myself. Yeah, he, he's just been an absolutely depressing character. And, and albeit that that's what the Hulk is. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I mean, like with Daredevil, Daredevil went on this whole run of, of everything depressing happened to him just year after year after year. And... You know, Wade finally broke him out of that funk, and so to to have the Hulk 
go along with that, uh, I'm happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited too. I mean, I'm loving Daredevil. And Wade said he said in an interview, if you like Daredevil, he's like you're gonna like okay. this. Um, Bob, what do you well, think? The Peter David Hulk is is the run that you know, now is the touchstone for everything else. And mm-hmm. I had after he left, I had gone away from it and saw him at Icon with Greg Pak. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'll. They were so juiced about what was going on, and I tried it. Once we got into the larger events, checked out completely. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, humorless is, is the only way to put it. It was grim and awful, and and it is a grim character, but there's a there's an underlying special humanness to that Jekyll and Hyde thing. Absolutely. That got lost entirely in the destruction. I mean, my, my absolute favorite issue of Hulk was the bachelor party, Rick's bachelor yes, party. Yes, oh, wasn't that great? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Just humor can be there. Right. So Wade could bring that back. So let's, we can only hope. What do you think about this, Steve? Um, I'm optimistic, <laughs> I suppose. Um, I'm not really too familiar with the writer or the artist. I mean, I, I've read things that they've done, but mm-hmm. nothing that's, I mean, I've been enjoying Daredevil. Right. So if Daredevil is any indication uh, as to how the Hulk's going to turn out, I'm, I guess I'm excited for mm-hmm. it. Um, I just started reading the Hulk, like for the first time ever, with uh, Jason Aaron's uh, Incredible Hulk. Yeah, and some I've been enjoying it, but it's it always strikes me that when I'm not actively pursuing, even though I'm collecting something, that I'm not actively going after it to read it every month. That I'm kind of just letting it sit until there's a few issues to sit down with. Right. That it's not something that I'm like clamoring for. Yeah. Um, so like many of these Marvel now things, I'm hoping that this will be a solid introduction to the character and that maybe with everybody else being so positive about it, that it'll be a a really good, uh, stepping stone for the Hulk for me. Um, and just to go back to the, the Thor thing, um, I'm not really too familiar with, uh, with Ribic, but I, I am excited for it. Um, I think the scope of it is really cool, but I do agree with Bob that it may be lightened it up a little bit. Right, <laughs> you know, I don't know if we need another God Killer uh, saga going on. Right, we'll have to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, well, speaking of lighting things up, so we had uh, Invincible, Worthy, Indestructible, and then Jimmy Chungus was the, was the next one, uh, and this is uh, Deadpool. Who loves yep. uh, Mexican food? Apparently, mm-hmm. tacos. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Posen and uh, Jerry Duggan. Uh, or Dugan, I'm not sure how you say it. Um, Dugan mm-hmm. are uh, are going to be the writers. So this one's interesting because Posehn and uh, Dugan aren't comic book writers; they're uh, comedy writers. Uh, Dugan writes for Attack of the Show, and Posehn is and he was on Just Shoot Me, and he's on the Sarah Silverman. Sarah Pro- Silverman's neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a pretty big deal. He was on uh, the Human Giant, uh, an MTV sketch show with like Aziz Ansari and stuff. And he marries Reed and Sue Richards. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I didn't In know the movie. That. Oh, yeah, that's right. A, oh, that's a, right. A, yeah. <laughs> that's totally right in the in the Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Um, so, really? Yeah, he, it's random. Sorry, but yeah. He's got he, that voice, though. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. No, I think he's great. I'm just saying he always... Uh, I could probably impersonate him, but I'm not Go, going to. Oh. No, no. I, I, I can't do it on command. Yeah, it's like full monotone... Yeah. He just, it, he always sounds like deep... he, like he just woke up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, he, uh, <laughs> him and Dugan wrote uh, the Last Christmas. It was a five issue miniseries put out by Image. 
about a post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic Santa Claus fighting zombies in the North Pole. <laughs> um, so they've done some comic book work, but yeah. not a lot. Um, and Tony Moore, uh, who did the first six issues of The yes. Walking Dead, and worked with Rick Remender on Fear Agent and Punisher and Venom, is going to be doing this. I have a funny little Brian story, if you want it real quick. Brian <laughs> Posehn? Yes. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Um, I went to, years ago, uh, Tool released their album, Lateralis, and I went to the pre-seminal show at Hammerstein Ballroom, and to introduce the band, they had uh, David Cross come out onto the stage, <laughs> and he said that the band was going to perform, but Maynard, the lead singer, was ill. And that it was the it was this little boy's dream. He was dying of cancer, and it was his like Make a Wish Foundation dream to see Tool and introduce them. And the little boy turned out to be Brian, and he came out. <laughs> oh, that's great! And it was absolutely just like he had the whole audience just dying with laughter. And then Maynard came out, and of course, you know, granted his wish. Mm-hmm. And it was the single greatest concert I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that's incredible. That's, pre- that's, pretty, that's pretty great. Yep. Um, so, Steve, yeah. what do you think of, of this? Of him doing the... Deadpool. Yeah. Well, like I was saying before, there's a couple of things I've never read. I've never... I've, I've seen one panel of a Deadpool comic book that mm-hmm. my friend uh, Chris Beller had showed me had something to do about Twilight and how awful it is. And he's like, you know, I know that, you know, you don't like Deadpool and, you know, you knock on me, which is not true, um, (laughs) for liking him and everything. But I just want you to see this one thing. Just look at this. And he showed me that, and it was him making fun of Twilight. And I was, you know, I had to admit that Mm -hmm. I was a little turned on by the character. But (laughs) with, not turned on sexually, relax, Rob. (laughs) Um, But with him writing... I think it's a really, really interesting move, especially for this huge relaunch mm-hmm. that they're gonna they're gonna have a comedian mm-hmm. do. This, especially since Deadpool's supposed to be a funny character, yeah. As much as I as much as I do or do not know about him, um, that out of sheer curiosity's sake, I will definitely be picking up number one. And uh, just like Iron Man, hopefully it'll be a foray into a new character. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I really enjoy it. So, Bob, nope. Yeah, yeah, I, I know he's one of your least no. favorite characters. If they were doing She-Hulk, fourth wall breakiness, yeah, I would be on board. Deadpool shooting and killing. And what was the one that was this week, Rob? Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. actually like that. Which got, oh, a lot okay. of good, got a lot of good reviews, yeah, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the outside looking in yeah. on this one, I think. So mm-hmm. I've never, I don't think I, I may have read one Deadpool comic in my life. I mean, I, you know, surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, most of my exposure to him is through video games and such and animated things. He is so annoying in that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's interesting. You know, I, I think that it definitely gets my attention in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, we'll see. You know, I, I don't think I don't think the character of Deadpool is inherently bad. I just think that uh, he's very intense and very particular, and so maybe I'll hate it, maybe I won't, but I'll, I'll definitely give it a try. Rob, what do you think of all this? Uh, I mean, I've I've pretty much read everything Deadpool, so okay. I'm I'm kind of used to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love the idea uh, to get a comedy writer in. I've seen plenty of. Uh, I mean, I think this past, or maybe last year, there was uh, a Spider-Man one-shot that came out, uh, the long Halloween, and or the short Halloween, sorry. Right. <laughs> and it was written by 
a whole mess of Saturday Night Live writers. Oh, and right, yeah. That was absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I, I could definitely see the, uh, you know, what he's bringing to the table. And that that's the kind of character he is. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know there was a lot of Twitter controversy leading up to... Oh, yeah, there was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know what? Everyone deserves a chance, yeah. and the book sells. No, honestly, no matter who is is writing it, it just has that underground following. I mean, just go on eBay and look at the prices of any of these past issues, uh, and and you'll see just how how crazy people go for it. If it um, so the controversy he's talking about. I don't know if you heard about this or not, but not- uh, Rob Liefeld on Twitter, who he created Deadpool, so. Um, he was talking about the character. You're setting me up here to be in trouble, aren't I know, you? After, after this announcement, <laughs> and he said um, that uh, in, I guess, the last ten years or however long, he said, mm-hmm. um, you know, pretty much Marvel only puts their D-list writers onto Deadpool, um, and people freaked out. People freaked out. They were like, "What about th- what about?" I think Rick Remender was one of the people who wrote on it. I think Gail Simone wrote on it, like at the beginning of her career, and. He, you know, again, this is the problem with tweeting, which is only 140 characters. He's like, whoa. He's like, I wasn't, I didn't mean D list as in like bad writers. I meant that when, oh, no, no, wait, but he wait. says this. No, okay. but listen, just wait. Okay. Wait. He wait. says 140 characters. Um, he says that the way D is only one character. But comic <laughs> book um, publishers, when they rank their writers, like as far as like experience, and stuff they rank them like the A list is like Ed Brubaker and those guys, and the starting out writers are the D list writers, the writers they put on the smaller books. Um, you know, so can we say backpedal? Um, mm. Well, you're only saying that because you don't like him, Bob. That's the only reason you're saying that. You didn't read any of the tweets. You didn't see any interactions. I don't read any tweets. But I'm just true. saying, like this is what <laughs> happened. Um, and Gail Simone. Uh, responded to it because people want her to respond to it. They're like, "Well, he's talking about you. He's calling you a D list writer," and. And, you know, um, Gail said, you know, I loved writing on Deadpool, and I think you all are taking him a little bit <laughs> out of context for what he's saying. You know, he's not saying these writers are bad. He's just saying, look at the history of writers on Deadpool, and, you know, look at the people who have written them and when they've written them in their career. She's like, uh-huh. I wrote it. There's the first book I ever got, you know, was to write Deadpool. You know, and who was it who wrote uh, to Remender? Somebody wrote to Remender, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh you know, the truth hurts, whatever it was, right? Like, where's yeah. the Brubaker Deadpool arc? Where's the, you Bendis. know, where's the Bendis, you know, Deadpool arc? All these guys. So, you know, this is a reaction to this, this, this announcement of this comedian writing. Deadpool. So he's complaining about the way they're going to handle Deadpool comedically. Was he more serious when? No, yes, think... Deadpool oh, was, was. Yep. Okay. Deadpool was very serious when he first started in, uh, in okay. the New Mutants. Uh, yeah, total okay. like kind of like Domino. Okay, so that, no, that kind m- of... my comment to follow because we don't want this turn mm-hmm. into this discussion. <laughs> yeah, not a shit fest what, on anyone. What were Jack Kirby and Joe Simon and Stan Lee's reaction to Rob Liefeld's Captain America? End of story. Well, and absolutely, and I, I, I'm not saying that he's necessarily right and he's without you know fault in his career, but. And I think he was more just saying, not necessarily that a comedian was taking over. I think he was just saying, like, this character that I created or this character that is very popular, no matter how, how many people don't like him or not, um, he hasn't really had the treatment that books that sell as much or less than him 
have had. You know, he doesn't get the same writers on those mm-hmm. books. But I think he's only selling at this point on the comedy aspect of it. I don't think Deadpool is selling because he's the new Punisher. He's selling because right. he's the oddball wild card in the Marvel Universe at this point. Absolutely. But, you know, why, why don't you put Jason Aaron then on, on that book, you know, or whatever? I think that's kind of what he's talking well, about. You if know? you're looking for the comedic edge of their major writers, then that would be Dan Slott or Peter David. Peter right, David. okay, yeah. Yeah, but, but then, then to say, oh, let's put Ed Brubaker, for, you know, Fatal right. over here mm-hmm. on Deadpool, that's not who they're writing now. Right. I mean, absolutely. I, I, I think he meant more like, uh, like rank of writer than the style of the writer, mm-hmm. you, know, you know? And to some extent, I mean, this is not a character that I think, I know at least three of us are not attached to in any way, so we don't have that thing. But, you know, if a character like, a character that you love, like let's say Iron Fist, you know, there's a great, there's a moral Iron Fist, which is great, but Iron Fist kind of gets shortchanged a lot in the Marvel Universe. You know, I think it's a similar thing to that. Like, why isn't this character who he believes deserves to be written well is not being written, not necessarily well, but with writers that could right. bring it up, uh, you know? Moving on. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We'll save this. Better when, off. We'll save this when he's here. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Which is a possibility. We're hoping. Right? We are hoping. Um, so uh, the next one up is uh, we got Marvel now is Soldier. Speaking of, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got Captain America. Um, it's going to be written by Rick Remender, who is writing on Kenny X Four, Secret Avengers, and Venom right now, and uh, art by John Romita Jr., who has done a bajillion things. He did the first half of or the first act of Avengers versus X-Men. He's done Amazing Spider-Man, Avengers, Thor, Uncanny X-Men, Wolverine, Daredevil, Iron Man, Punisher, Warzone. Kick-ass. Kick-ass, yeah. So, ton of stuff. Bob, Captain America, you love him. What do you think of this team? Remender, I think, is going to do spy stuff, Mm -hmm. which is great, but we've seen a lot of that. I would really like to see Return to Cap symbol. In an era where everything's gone so dark, I think this universe needs a character standing above and standing for the important positive issues. He may deliver that, so I'm not sure where we're at yet, so I want to read the thing first. Mm. I don't know that John Romita Jr., whose art I like, is for this. I've I, I mentioned one of the reviews I wrote. He's really good at quiet, standing sort of things. Cap is dynamic and physical. Don't know that he's for this. I want Greg Land doing this desperately. <laughs> I want to make a trade. I want to. Uh, Ramita did Iron Man at some point, right? Yes. Okay. Could we trade? <laughs> I, I'll, I'm a Cap fan. I'll be there for this. I will sample and see where we're at. I think it's a really good writer, and the stories tell the story to be really cliche. Mm-hmm. If the stories work, the art will then fall into place. Right, absolutely. And he's also he's you know he's serious like Rubaker is as well. Yeah, Remender has that same serious vein to him. Steve, what do you think about this? Um, I like Rick, uh, Rick Remender a lot. Uh, not so much a fan of John Romita Jr. Uh, I like him in instances, but overall, I find that he's he's offered a lot of books, and because he's offered so much, that some of his work comes off kind of rushed. From time to time, I see that. Yeah, um, and I mean, it's, I've never. Uh, and again, again, I, I feel like a broken record. I've never read a cap book ever. Um, 
I've kind of had my fill of him because of the AVX stuff that I'm not exactly running to a Captain America book. I mean, honestly, the only thing that's really getting me interested in it at all is the fact that Bob loves him so much. Um, because he's, because yeah, no, because you're my friend and because you have a passion for him that I will give it a shot. Uh, and I do like Remender a lot as, as a writer. Um, but I just, of a lot of the stuff that was announced, that was one of the ones where I was like, okay. And I, I was much more excited by the other ones. Captain America, I think is a great character. It was my favorite of the Marvel films when we did our, our list and everything. Mm -hmm. But I just... I like what he stands for, but his the idea of watching him adventure around or boss people around or be the, the leader man and whatever is just not – there's other things that I'd rather be reading. I'm not really into the whole like big leader thing. It just doesn't do it for me. But, I mean, this book is going to see a lot of him more being solo. He's not going to be the head of the Avengers in this book. No, He's I know. And that's solo adventures. I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm remaining optimistic. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of it's was one of the announcements where I was like, "There's like two of them on there on that list." Where I was like, "All right," and that unfortunately was one of them. I'm totally willing to give it a shot because you know we have somebody here who's very passionate about that character. That if they can Moi. hit, like, if they can hit the mark that Bob is talking about, because I support Bob and his view of Captain America. I think he should be written that way. Mm -hmm. If they can do that, then I'm all for it. Otherwise, if I'm just going to get the Captain America that I've been seeing in AVX lately, he's not Captain America, he really right? Isn't. But I, I mean, even a see, I don't know that though. Yeah. That's that's the only Cap that I've been getting, and I've gotten so much of that lately that I'm kind of spent on that character. And it's just, it's not that I'm, it's I'm not that I'm not looking forward to it because I'm looking forward to all of these. It's just, it would be at like probably second to last on my list of excitement for all these announcements. I just don't, this just doesn't do it for me. Okay. I'm going to pick Rob's brain for a second. The trade paperback is Warm Remembrance, the Roger Stern, John Byrne stuff. Yes, it is. Try, get that. Okay. You want to you want to see what the character should be? Yeah, I mean, if you if you've got something to to give me that like yeah. like kind of like like Pixie, like the thing that I talked about tonight. That introduced me to that character in a really solid way that I would look for her in other books, but yeah. I just haven't had a proper exposure to well, this, him. That one's about eight issues, and you get to see the 40s Cap, the new Cap, the detective, the superhero, the human being. Yeah. Like, my favorite Cap moment probably ever is what you were talking about earlier in Avenging Spider-Man, when mm -hmm. the, the, he was, you know, turns out yes. that he used oh. to draw comics when he yeah. was a kid. That was my favorite Captain America moment that I've ever read. That's a good one. That so is a really if, great if they can If they can extract more personal stuff from him like that, then I am totally on for it. But I just, I, I don't know what, I honestly, I have no idea what to expect. A lot of these, I kind of know what I'm in for. I have no idea what the hell that would be. Okay. I think, yeah, it is a wild card. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone knows what to expect from it because I think it's going to heavily weigh on what happens at the end of AVX oh, and point. just the, the state of the Marvel Universe. And, mm. and you know, his mindset is probably going to be changing after all this, so he's going to have something different to fight for. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. Ooh, tagline. Hey, yeah. <laughs> it could be, our, could be our title for the, uh, for the issue. For. Yeah. Something different to fight for. <laughs> Coming at the end of this summer. <laughs> um, I like that voice. You like Remender, though? 
Yes, I do. I love Uncanny X Force. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, so this next one is uh, the one I'm kind of the most neh about, which mm-hmm. is the Legacy announcement, which is the X Men Legacy mm-hmm. announcement. Um, Simon Spurrier, who uh, has written a lot of Judge Dredd stories, is going to be taking over. Yeah, I'm the law. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Tan Enghuat uh, is going to be uh, doing the art. Is, Can you uh, do that again? Uh, no, he did uh, Annihilators, <laughs> Annihilators, Earthfall. He did some Punisher, uh, Thor, First Thunder. Did some Deadpool and did some Ghost Rider. Um, so X Men Legacy is. I mean, now it's it's Rogue as the head of I guess like the 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 like the school part of Utopia. In, yeah. yeah, like the. Like the the in terms of the youngsters at Utopia, not at the school, obviously, um, not right. Wolverine school. Um, who knows what it's going to be after AVX? Because we just don't know. Um, I have not read, and I haven't ever read one issue of X Men Legacy. I know you have, Steve. Yeah, so, what, what do you it. think about this? Well, Rogue is one of my. She's probably she's definitely in my top three favorite X Men, if not my favorite. I absolutely love her. Um, so I like the idea that it's been. I remember Bob, you were saying you said to me one day. She's in it too much. I don't know how a character in their own series could be in it too much, but we won't go there. Um, I don't know if if they're going to continue her being the focal point of this series. I doubt it. Um, I'd like to see them maybe take a different approach Mm -hmm. with it. But as far as the the vibe and the setup, I, I like all the school stuff. Yeah, I, like I, I like a lot of the of the younger books, the young, you know, Young Avengers, and I, I mean, Wolverine and the X Men is a great example mm-hmm. of watching all of these new mutants, all these young mutants take part in these huge events, and Legacy kind of has a good mix of mm-hmm. the adults working with the children that I like. That's what I've been enjoying about the series. It's gone in a couple of weird directions that I felt like I should have known stuff ahead of time that happened maybe a long time ago. But uh, it has been a solid series. It's not exactly at the top of my list. Um, but, I mean, I'll, I'll check it out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to take a different spin because Rogue is on the Uncanny Avengers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah. You think it will, it will switch back to maybe uh, Charles Xavier? Well then. Focused? Uh-huh. Because he's uh, made a re-emergence, obviously, in AVX. Um. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. I no, no, we aren't going to spoil anything. I'm just mentioning that he is kind of back, like he's in the he's in present in that universe. So, yes, um, he might very well come back up because I mean, legacy. Whether you know, if you just saw that book on the stand, you would think that meant, you know, previous X Men, like you know, kind uh-huh. of the old cast of X Men, uh, who will be back, who will be back. Uh, yeah, but like you know, I guess Rogue is on Kenny. Um, Avengers. Avengers. I mean, someone like Gambit, though. Um, does he have a place right now? An exact place? I don't think so, right? Uh, his new series. Well, he has his new ongoing, yeah. but I mean, I'm saying like he's not in Kenny Avengers, right? Well, no, he was X Men Legacy, so we'll see. Right, what happens so we'll to see him. if he's still in there. But guys like that, guys like that middle ground. Um, we'll see. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I've never read anything by Simon Spurrier, so I have no idea what kind of writer he is. Uh, Rob, I don't know if you've ever read anything by him or not. What else? His name does not ring a bell. He to me. Do, he did a lot of like 2008 D stuff, um, like the British uh, comic, uh, which is like a book. Called, okay, yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, lop, he did Judge Dredd, which is their signature story. Uh-huh. Um, something called Lobster Random, <laughs> as opposed to Lobster Johnson, which yeah. we actually know around here. Yeah, uh, the Simple Detective um, 
So I apparently did some uh, side Marvel work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shall see what happens. That's definitely what I'm least excited about just because I don't know anything about it. That doesn't mean it's not going to be awesome. It could be great. It could end up surprising. But it's just not the – it doesn't stand out to me uh-huh. in, in the least. Yeah. I love it when, when books like that where you're not expecting much, they just come out with like a one-two punch, and I hope something like that does happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now – now we get into. Why are you looking at me? A, a pair of books. These were the last two things they announced yeah. um, on Friday. So we got two. We got uh, Family, uh, and hmm. we got Extended, hmm. both hmm. written by M- Matt Fraction. Oh. Um, uh, uh, family, which we're going to say is Fantastic Four, yes. is uh, uh, Mark Bagley, uh, and. Uh, Fraction and Mike Allred are going to be doing uh, Extended, which we're assuming is Future Foundation at this point. Um, One would hope. Yeah. So, Bob, I want to let you take this away because you are Mr. Fantastic Four. You were singing the praises of Matt Fraction earlier in the show. Uh, What do you think about this? I'm quitting. I'm not buying any of these books. No, no. Seriously, (laughs) of their roster of creative teams, these are the best they could have picked for this project. In Matt Fraction, you have someone that we've seen in The Defenders. He is able to... It's a family over there. It's crazy, screwy family as The Defenders are. And have humor and heart, adventure, and it's cosmic all at once. And nothing says Fantastic Four than those things. Mark Bagley, perfect retro... Regular panel layouts, but will expand it outwards into something crazier. Perfect. Mike Allred is funny and bizarre and strange and very retro himself. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is where these books should go. They are definitely taking these seriously. They're not going to go backwards from what Jonathan Hickman was just doing now for three years of, of this book. We are going to continue what's going on. I am on board for these more than any of the others. I may never buy anything else on this list past one or two issues. <laughs> This creative team says to me, okay, we're trying here. It may not work, but we're going to try. We're going to keep this going. Well, ba- Bagley had a run on Fantastic Four already. He, he's done it back? before. Uh, well, after the Heroes Reborn stuff, when did they did the renumbering? Right, after, I believe around issue 40 or so. Cause after, he did this, after Alan Davis, but before Waringo? Uh, correct. Yes, okay. exactly. Because he did this awesome... Uh, f- four issue cover where that if you put it together it's Mr. Fantastic stretching upwards so usually when oh, you, you put showed that to me. yeah usually yeah. when you put covers together they side go side by side. side this one goes up so it's Mr. Fantastic stretching and up and that. oh yeah it's absolutely it's awesome so yeah he he had like a a year or so run on the book Hmm. Um, and he's awesome. Yes, I mean, I yeah. love him. He helped. I'm sure you do. He helped originate Ultimate Spider-Man. Obviously, he did a lot of amazing yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. So he's a big time writer. He's doing uh, Assemble right now, right? Avengers Assemble right now. Correct. Um, and he's also doing Brilliant with mm-hmm. Bendis. Whenever that book is going to ever come out, because there's been three yep. issues in like a year. Still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> they say it's supposed to be every other month, and it's been like every four months uh-huh. or so. So, yeah, he's awesome, though. Steve, what do you think about this? I mean, you've grown to love both these books in the past couple of months. Uh, I am to- completely and totally on board with Bob. Um, I have grown to love the Fantastic Four. Um, Future Foundation, maybe a little bit more so um, than Fast- uh, Fantastic Four, is just such a 
such an amazing series as far as characters go that you can i mean that i can attach myself to between uh sue richards the thing everybody in that book is just so relatable in some strange way that even though they're superheroes there's something so humanistic about all of them that you know i'm not like any of those people but i can identify with a lot of their ideals Mm -hmm. and i love that i mean i don't i'm not reading a lot of cosmic books I mean, I was reading Stormwatch for a while. <laughs> um, and then, Our sympathies. Yeah, and then Bob, you know, said you got to read Fantastic Four. And I finally, when I finally got around to it, it was one of those things that you really need to push yourself to get into. But once you do, it's such a huge, huge payoff. Everything is so satisfying with that series. Just the the heroicness of it and the... The funny little asides. There's so much humor that are in those books that you wouldn't expect it in these, like, you know, cosmic cataclysmic events that there'll be two pages where you're laughing your ass off. Right, yeah. And I absolutely love that. Um, Matt Fraction, I I think, I just, the, the team is great. Um, and I'm with Bob. Of, of all the things between that and uh, Invisible <laughs> Iron Man on purpose this time. <laughs> Who's to say that he's not going to have something built into his suit where he can go he's invisible? Iron Man. You never know. Maybe. You never know. Maybe I'm right. And maybe you are. <laughs> um, you're, a, you're a prophet. Yes. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm super excited. And I'm just, I'm glad that they they announced it. And because there was a question as to whether or not it was going to come back. We knew it was going to come back because obviously you're not mm-hmm. going to get rid of Fantastic Four. Right. But we didn't know when. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus when we talked to Kelly Sue, she was like, you yeah. know, well, it's not confirmed. Maybe, possibly. And I just, now that it's it's written, it's confirmed, uh, I am pumped. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm ready. Well, it's, it's good. Um, back when Fraction first started with Marvel, uh, he started with a team book. This was after Civil War, back when the initiative started. He wrote a... 12-issue series called The Order, and it was California's super team. And it's probably one of the most underrated books that no one read. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can go find that series, I don't think they collected it. You got uh, it in the basement? Yeah, I did. Oh, I yeah. He, was, he pulled it out last night when we were in there. He was like, this book! <laughs> yeah, so if, if you want to... You know, have faith in Fraction being able to write a team book, then the proof is in the pudding. The the book is absolutely pudding. great. So uh, I'm I'm super psyched for it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of in the last couple of months has been really my exposure to Matt Fraction. I mean, uh, the Defenders has been fantastic, and if he can bring that sort of you know silly yet serious sense to Fantastic Four, I think that would be pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, what's I hate to be really personal here. The, the proudest moment for me in this enterprise is that my love for the Fantastic Four has somehow drifted out <laughs> through you guys and some of our listeners and whatever that, you know, this was Marvel's first book. And when it's done correctly, it speaks to every heroic thing that, that superheroes should be. It's about family and interpersonal relationships, as well as the cosmic and the personal. It's so much of everything. It's what the best that this medium can portray. Mm-hmm. And it had mm-hmm. fallen behind everything else. Mm-hmm. It wasn't 
dark. It wasn't monstrously evil. It wasn't violent. Mm-hmm. It was always the Fantastic Four, for good or bad. And that under Jonathan Hickman and his various artists and across the two books had put itself into another position and that got people to read and then maybe I'll get Marvel here to think about their what was their flagship title differently to, to make sure it was in good hands. Right. Yeah. I'm I think highly of this enterprise. Well the the fact that mm-hmm. you think highly of it makes me even more excited for it because I know how attached you are to the characters and to the world of Fantastic Four. And I mean the thing about Fantastic Four, I will tell like new readers if you haven't been reading it it is, in my estimation anyway, you might disagree with me, it's a very, very daunting title. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like interplanetary politics. But, and normally, I, I mean, I've, I've even said it on the show that I don't really like politics in, in my comics. I don't, I, I don't know, I can't pinpoint exactly what I do like, but poli- <laughs> politics is boobs. not... It's not yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Boobs, is, <laughs> boobs are great, but... Um, no, I just the the way that they like I'm a, I w- I'm almost afraid because all I've read is the Hickman stuff, and I you're feel, drifting backwards though. Yeah, but I feel like he's he's he had such a such a grasp on it that if he was able to make me give a shit and not just give a shit but really really invest myself and really care to the the point that like from 600 on plus all of FF that I just like I just steamrolled those books and I caught up that eventually something clicked somewhere where even events that I hadn't read and all these things that happened like maybe 15 years ago and whatever, he was able to put them to me in a way that like I was able to, I don't have all the specifics, but I could imagine them. And I felt the, like the, the rippling effect of how they're affecting the events of now and the idea that you have faith in the new writer to be able to continue to do that makes me all the more excited for it. Because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a big it's yeah. a big book. It's a huge responsibility. It, it absolutely no. It absolutely is. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I mean, this was what we were kind of hoping would happen, and yeah. it happened. Uh, the The second teaser, the extended teaser. Well, everyone is saying that it's FF and I'm uh, Future Foundation. I'm inclined to agree with them. The coloring of the text is weird to me. Yeah. You know, like the fact that it's red is kind of weird to me. There's no red in the... Uh, white. It's white, white, right? So that was weird to me. When I first saw it, th- my initial thought was Ant-Man. That was my initial thought when I saw it. Um, but I looked in there and everyone was saying it was Future Foundation, like Extended Family, you know, because they came out together. So... Th- I think they're right, but when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's going to yeah. be an Ant-Man book. I mean, I don't know why you would pair them so close. Like, all the other ones have standalone yeah. things, and then you have that one that's like they're right on top of one another. Yeah, and they came out at the same time. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's FF. It just was a weird, like, it's a little bit of a different, you know, branding for it than, than we've seen before. But, no, I'm really Adventures excited. Adventures of Dragon Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as he has his glasses, I'm, I'm there. Uh, All Red is doing, um, I think he's doing the next issue of Daredevil. He's the guest artist on Daredevil the next issue. That works. That'll work. So we should see that. And it's funny enough, I brought the Ant-Man thing before. This past issue of Daredevil is way off topic, but Ant-Man was in it. Like Hank Pym, Ant-Man was in it. Oh, Oh, that was so great. And it was so good. (laughs) When are we getting an Ant-Man book? Well, he's one of the, Marvel did like their point one teases, like the people who shaped the Marvel Universe, and one of them was Ant-Man. So we'll have to see what, what's going to happen. Well, I know the season I one have, came out not too long ago. Yeah. yeah. If you want to read an awesome Ant-Man story, I have a, a great 12-part uh, 
Ant-Man story that uh, Robert Kirkman did Ooh. when when he was at Marvel. Oh, really? Uh, the irredeemable Ant-Man. Dibs. Okay. I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Dibs. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Um, Gotta call it now, man. <laughs> last Avengers story. Yes. It's a, it's he's not Ant Man anymore, but was that Peter David? And it's a painted okay. uh, whose name uh, the painter mm-hmm. now eludes me. Mm-hmm. Well, he's Giant but Man now, right? Yeah, he's both. He's this always, is yeah, yeah. thirty years later, mm-hmm. and the Avengers have all been sort of blown to smithereens, and it's Ultron fifty yeah. seven or something still out for revenge. It's, uh, it's that it, that animated movie, the mm-hmm. next Avengers or whatever. It's like it's that story. There's an animated movie out of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, or the kid, the kid Avengers. Which you, oh would you, yeah 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 so that's yeah. what he's talking uh, about. Next Avengers. Yeah yeah Next Avengers. Okay. That's what it's called. The movie's called. Which but was it's, great. Yeah, it's a similar story though. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So that's it for the Marvel Now stuff. Uh, mm. We got some big Marvel movie news stuff that came out. Uh, Joss Whedon is coming back to direct Avengers two to direct yes. and write Avengers yes. two. Oh, yeah. And he will also be uh, helping to develop that Marvel television show we mentioned uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Still no word on what that's going to be, but it's for ABC. He's got an exclusive deal now with them. So uh, I'm not really sure which one I'm more excited about, a new Joss Whedon show set in the Marvel Universe or Avengers 2. Um, but We've th- seen an Avengers movie, yes. and I want that to be really good, but we were talking about could this be the ground-level Marvel's thing. Mm-hmm. We could be excited for both. Yeah, I'm no, excited for it's both. A, it's yeah, a new. It could be a new Scooby Gang. Yeah, like in, uh, in Buffy. Buffy, yeah, right? Yeah. Four regular people mm-hmm. dealing with what's going on superhero around them. They should do Runaways. As yeah, as a television show, oh. they should do Runaways. He could do a really good job. I mean, he wrote on that. Obviously, that would uh-huh. be amazing. Yeah, well, that could just be one of the episodes. Yeah, they could just no. have them off. I, I would <laughs> like. A, I thing. would like a Runaways television could because. You can you can do the Runaways with a Scooby like gang, and then you can have guest spots. You could have somebody be Wolverine or the Punisher or Captain America or Iron Man. Mm. Hey, oh, liking that, punks. liking yeah. that idea. That'd be awesome. Yeah, they, they were set up as a movie for a while. No, yeah. it got canceled. But um, oh, they should do it, and you know, you heard it here first, so folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four, four, four votes for get, get to it. Yeah. Talking comics, another great idea. <laughs> um, Just handed them to you. So, I mean, that's great. Obviously, that's what I was hoping to happen. Um, good to have him back. We don't know anything, obviously, anything else about that, but uh, more uh, immediate news in the Marvel movie universe. Uh, we had heard a couple of days ago that uh, because of the fact that uh, Fox's option on Daredevil was running out, they have to be shooting a movie by October 10th or the the um, rights go back to Marvel and they just fired David Slade as their director, so they don't have a director right now. Better than David Spade. It's, yes, better than <laughs> David Spade. Um, so there was this rumor that Marvel was bargaining with Fox, saying to them, we'll give you more time to make Daredevil if you give us back the rights to Galactus and the Silver Surfer. Um, supposedly because obviously we're going cosmic in the Marvel Universe and there's not really two bigger cosmic characters than Galactus, well, literally, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Silver Surfer, yeah. figuratively. He's big. He's yeah, he's very big. Um, ballooned up nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So it's come out since then that it's probably not going to happen um, and that... Thank you, thank you. And that um, Fox will probably just let Daredevil go, Daredevil go back to Marvel because it's, they would rather keep... Fantastic Four property together, then split up that property and do a Daredevil movie, which probably doesn't fit into their, 
you know, idea of what kind of superheroes they want to do because they're going to do a big Fantastic Four movie, they're doing a big X-Men movie, a small movie about Daredevil is probably not kind of in their purview at the moment. Um, Bob, we just talked about Fantastic Four for a while. I'll uh, go I'll go for yeah. this. Look, I you have to keep Galactus and the Surfer in the FF universe. That would be great to have it as part of the Avengers thing, but that's what I'm, we've talked about the Young Justice thing. Young Justice. Young, <laughs> Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Yeah. Where they were lifting entire FF storylines to tell Avengers stories. No, Galactus and the Surfer, it's the FF. Mm. You have to keep that together. And we have, what's the fellow's name from Chronicle, which was pretty uh, good. Josh Trank, yeah. They've already got that in play. Let that be you know, FF2 and not be part of the Avengers storyline. Mm-hmm. So keeping them together... They were talking about a sort of 70s Daredevil movie, isn't that where they're at now? Yeah, the, the Frank Miller The Frank Miller yeah. thing, yeah, yeah. Let that be what it is and just let that go because it'll make money. It'll never make what a proper FF movie could do. Following maybe two Avengers movies, mm. you know, have a cosmic level, great FF origin, followed by a, a surfer Galactus, destroy the Earth, them doing this. Keep them yeah. together. Got to keep that together. Steve, what do you think about this? I I'm of the opinion that Fox shouldn't be allowed to make superhero movies. <laughs> X Men First Class is really good. They did. Uh, they, that was Fox. That's yeah. Fox. Yeah. All right. Fine. That's the only one <laughs> that I I enjoyed. Um, I mean, they did they did the other X Men films, which they're okay. I'm not. I know. I know around the table that people like them. <laughs> I don't really like them per se. Um. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I the Daredevil movie doesn't excite me, so I could care less about that. Um, I like the character, but I just I don't I don't care if I get a Daredevil movie. Um, I would like a Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. a new Fantastic Four film, uh, especially if they're going to have they're going to do Galactus the right way and not have him be a cloud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would God. be nice. Yeah, you know we're we're at. We're technologically at the point where you could pull off Galactus, mm-hmm. um, and they should do so. Yeah. They're also at the point where they're not scared, I don't think, to do that stuff anymore. Exactly. I think at that point, they right. were kind of scared to do a giant planet-eating person. You yeah. know, I think at that point, they'll, they'll find a way to pull it off. Um, Rob, what about you? I mean, what would you think... Would you rather Galactus and Silver Surfer go into like this Avengers Guardian of the Galaxy universe, or would you rather Daredevil go back to Marvel? Uh, I mean, I guess a little bit of both is. Make a I stand, Rob. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> uh, <sighs> along with what Bob said, you know, jacking the FF stories to work with the Avengers. I, I can kind of see how that that's crappy. I think that Marvel has quite enough to work with to, to make something galactic with, with what they kind of are going with mm. to begin with, yeah. you know, um, in terms of daredevil, I, I think they could make a kick-ass daredevil movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, playground scenes or <laughs> anything like that. Seesaw scenes? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I like that scene. <laughs> Is this anything on par with the Catwoman basketball scene? Uh, I've never no, seen Daredevil. No, it's much better Oh, than no, that. it's much better than that. Daredevil is a... Daredevil is an okay movie, and the director's, the director's cut, cut is, is especially good, yeah. Um, it has problems. It has very much that... 
you know, that mid-2000s or early 2000s superhero movie thing where it's not quite embracing all the things that it should, but there's some really good stuff in, in the Daredevil yeah. movie. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, I, I could totally see an excellent Daredevil movie from mm. Marvel. Uh, so, I say, I say keep it. Mm-hmm. See, I have a different trade I want to make. Okay. Let Fox keep Daredevil and put the Fantastic Four to Marvel with Galactus and the Surf and let Marvel make the Fantastic Four movie and not Fox. And that ain't happening. No, it's not going to happen. That's, that's what I want to see. Right. I uh. want to see Josh Whedon do a Fantastic oh, Four so, movie. So Fantastic Four is going to Fox? No, Fantastic Four. They already Fox. have Fox. It's already there. They're, they already have it. They own that property. They, and I think they have until next year to start making a movie. They have right. the same deal that Sony has with Spider-Man and Fox has with the right. X-Men. It's that as long as they keep making movies in a certain amount of time, they keep the property. I have a question yeah. and then a, and then a follow-up. Mm-hmm. How does Galactus... I've, he eats planets, correct? Yes. The yes. energy of the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Not the actual physical planet. So he yeah. doesn't eat the physical planet? No. No, he Damn. sucks it all dry. Yeah. Damn it. I had, the I had the perfect opening... <laughs> to a film like that. Okay, go for it. That Shoot. if you you have you have another world, it's not our planet, mm-hmm. it's just a planet, right? You have a whole race of technologically advanced people. Mm-hmm. Just almost like a solar eclipse, just that this this darkness befalls the sky and it's they pan all the way back and it's just Galactus almost like palming the mm-hmm. the planet in his hand and as he's bringing it towards his mouth like the whole like gra- like gravity shifts um, like Pangeaness, fucking like you know, just Cotton, wreckage. Yeah, okay. yeah, like land wreckage going on. The whole world tilting. It would just be like the day after tomorrow mm. type of destruction. Right. Would have just been an incredible like opening. You know, eleven minutes, mm-hmm. and, and then the credits roll. Right, would have just been phenomenal. They can yeah. still do that. Still do that. Yeah, just, oh. yeah. just physically eat it. Just like, ah, <laughs> it's, it's not like a slice of folded New York pizza. You heard it here first. My check will be in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me personally, my my thing is I kind of what, what you're on the line with Bob, which is that I would much. I, I feel like anybody who takes it seriously could probably make a good Daredevil movie because it, it, it's a street level character. He doesn't have crazy superpowers. You can figure that out. You know, you you can make a good movie out of that, and it doesn't take as much ingenuity or bravery to make a good Daredevil movie. Um, it takes a lot more to make a good Fantastic Four movie because you got you got to do basically what the Avengers did. You got to go cosmic. You got to go big. You got to go crazy. Um, you have to embrace the comic bookness of it. So my initial reactions was, yeah, let Galactus and Surfer go back to Marvel, and at least they'll do those characters justice. You know, they'll look like the characters, they'll do what the characters do. Um, but I don't. Again, I don't want that to totally gimp what the Fantastic Four movie sure. could be, because maybe it could be a good movie. You know, if 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 um, First Class is kind of the blueprint for what Fox is going to be doing with their superhero properties then I can have a little faith, a little bit more faith. Um, and we'll see what happens with the Wolverine when, when that yeah. comes out, which they just started filming. Better be the, ready, the, better the, be better than Origins. It will better but be. But it's the second first class movie. If they go Days of Future Past, which they said which they're is, doing, yeah, yeah. that's cosmic. That's yeah. big time comic booky stuff. And they mm-hmm. said time travel and alternate futures. Yeah, they said, what Brian Singer talked about it, and he kind of said, okay, yeah, it's called Days of Future Past, it's going to take elements from that, but it's also going to change things up. Um, it seems like they're going to be traveling into the world of Singer's X-Men movies. Oh. So we're going to see what happens. The way, like, mer- and then they're, I think it's almost going to do what they did with uh, 
like Star Trek, the new Star Trek movie, which is kind of like create like a new timeline so they can go forward and do kind of whatever they want. That's brilliant. Yeah, and- without having to sacrifice either one of those two timelines. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, if Daredevil goes back to Marvel, I'll, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think they'll do a great movie with him. They'll probably make it a little less serious than it would have been if it was at Fox. They were going to do this, you know, Joe Carnahan, you know, gritty 70s Frank Miller Daredevil, which probably could be cool. Uh, but if they find a way to fit him into that Marvel universe as a whole, that's a pretty big character to bring back into the fold. You know, it's bigger than, you know, it's bigger than Guardians of the Galaxy. It's bigger than Ant Man. You know, right. um, mm-hmm. no, no pun intended. <laughs> so I would like to see, and it gives them a good street level character, which they don't really have in their staple. That's the best point. Yeah. You know, they don't have Spider Man anymore. They don't have those people who just exist on the street, really, in their staple. So I think it's a good character to have for that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's exciting stuff happening in the Marvel universe and in that way. what's going on in the DC movie universe? Oh, we do not know. Good. Man of Steel in a Man year, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, Next up. So, we're going to quickly go over some couple sales numbers mm-hmm. we got we got here. Um, uh, I think Bob has something especially wants to talk about, so if I don't talk about stuff you want to talk about, Bob, no, let me know, please. and we'll no, go no. to it. So, I'm just going to, I'm going to go down, actually, I think just the top ten of an individual books mm-hmm. real quick. Um, Walking Dead, number 100 is number one, which is no surprise. Uh, 335,000. Uh, That's the number, okay. Um, yeah. 129. When you take into account that there was eight different retail covers. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so probably a single issue less than that, but probably a pretty big number anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Avengers vs. X-Men 7 and 8 are the next two. 179 and 174,000 are those two. Uh, uh, Batman... Scott Snyder's Batman, 127,000, uh, followed by Justice League, 123,000. Uh, number six, Before Watchmen, uh, Ozymandias, uh, 88,000. Uh, AVX Versus, um, that's number four, it's 86,000. Number eight, Detective Comics, 79,000. Really? Yes. Wow. Uh, number nine, Green Lantern at 78. And at number 10, Action Comics uh, at 76. So that's the top 10. Um, and obviously, uh, if you guys want to hear, Captain Marvel came in uh, at about 42,000, I believe, around like the number 40, number 42 with 41,000. Mm-hmm. It went second print, though, which is a good, yeah. Yeah. You know, a good sign. So it, it did, you know, I think did probably like above expectations, like, like they said. So well, we need more people. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on this one more time, and mm-hmm. Rob's here for it. Please, people, previews, mm. pre-order these things because you're all chasing after it to make it the second printing. If you'd pre-ordered the thing ahead of time, it would have sold eighty or ninety probably. Mm-hmm. If you add the first incentive, second printings or third printings yep. together, right? Yeah. Give the stores, give the creators a chance to understand what the demand is, mm-hmm. and give a friend a comic book every now and again. <laughs> buy, <laughs> seriously, no, buy something no. for somebody and just give it to them. Yep. You yeah. know a girl who doesn't read comics. Uh, Captain New Captain Marvel is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You got a girlfriend that gets pissed off that you go to the store and you waste wa- quote unquote waste money on comics. Bullshit. Give her Captain Marvel and watch her fucking turn around on that book. I carry books in my cars. In my cars. In my car. What cars? <laughs> well, listen to this posh no. guy over here. You have a Bentley Rob's and a Rolls and deep, what else? Man. Do you yeah, have? I don't know. An Escalade. So yeah, I, I keep a, a box of books in the trunk. And I give out books all the time. 
<laughs> just got a horrible mental picture. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. in the trunk or yeah. whatever. Yeah. No. No, see, Come here. Looking at these candy. numbers, um, it's appalling. It really is. Uh, okay. Walking Dead's 335 across eight covers. Mm-hmm. X-Men 1 is how many years ago, Rob? 20? Yeah. How many copies? Five million? Yeah. Five million. So for all the hubbub over reboots and relaunches and new 52s and whatever, we have shed hundreds of thousands of readers by becoming too inbred, too self-inclusive. We don't have women reading. We're down to 7%. Yep. We need to expand... (laughs) <laughs> women are re- women are reading yeah. indie books. You have guys like me making up for the loss. <laughs> yeah, but but not enough. Not enough. It, 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 there was a, an article that someone linked me to uh, about where the companies are afraid of alienating men twenty five to thirty five, mm-hmm. and that's that's I get it. They they they're clinging desperately to what's left. If you replaced some of those twenty five to thirty five year old men with the huge group of, of untapped female readers, that maybe that's something. If you went for something different, 179, 127, we're talking 80,000, what was the detective number? Did you uh, get the detective? Uh, yeah, 80? detective, which was uh, yeah, around 80, 79,000. Okay. In the 80s and 90s, if you sold under 100,000 books, you were canceled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was Doctor Strange four times, and Luke Cage and Iron Fist, all, they got shit canned. Mm-hmm. Sorry for cursing. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm, rant- I'm ranting now, <laughs> and I'm going good. Um, we need a larger fan base. We love this medium. Mm-hmm. I've been loving this for years. We need more people. These people who are seeing the movies have to buy these books. I could launch into a whole big thing, but I'll save it for another <laughs> podcast. Okay. But do you... We're in the same. Yeah, I just the whole the whole female reader thing. I mean, they they make it's been in, a, in the news a lot lately that um, they make such a big deal out of the idea of, of females reading comics and being into comics. There's this whole like I don't want to call it a movement, but there's this whole thing with like female cosplayers, and it's just it's like a, a you know female gamers or female comic book readers that. If you come out and say that you read comics and you're a girl, they make such a big splash about it that sometimes people just want to do like girls just want to do what they want to do. They just want to be into something and not have it be like be the poster child for every other girl that okay. reads mm-hmm. comics that the guys because we're we're such lecherous uh you know such a less lecherous gender that any time that we catch a whiff of a girl that loves comics, we go ape shit. Maybe if we treated them as equals and we just let them do their thing and didn't make such a big deal out of it every time it happened, we'd have more of them. Well, if the industry well, – these guys aren't on the show. It's just you and I, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Bob and Steve podcast. That's yeah. right. If the DC's internal tracking numbers show we're at 93% male readership, according to their digital yeah. numbers, that's appalling. Yeah, that it wasn't is. what it was in the 80s when every girls read X-Men and Teen Titans and all the rest of the things. It was probably 70-30, which was bad enough, let alone we're talking about the 60s or the 50s or the 40s where it was 50-50 and reflected the population. You, you went to Icon for the first time. Lots of girl cosplayers, yeah. lot, buying stuff, looking at stuff. If the industry itself 
is going to put Catwoman Zero covers out there and all and those things that go with it that are insulting mm-hmm. to an entire readership, they're going to pick and choose as opposed to embracing. Yeah. And we're never going to get 50-50. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, but I think we can we can goose the numbers up. We need more Captain Marvels is what we need. We need more, more female characters. More female creators. More female creators. And just strong, not, you know, not, we need strong characters, but not, not every character has to be strong, but just an equal, an equal playing field. A balance. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the same argument that video game publishers make about video games. They make the same argument they make in the comic book world. The, the two worlds have a, a very interesting cross between them where they make the same arguments and they struggle against the same stigmas over and over again. And people make video games say the same thing. They say, you know, we're, we make games for 13-year-old boys, you know? And, you know, that's why games like... A game like I love, like Gears of War, mm-hmm. but... The, I like the, I like that because of the way it plays, not because of the story. Because it's all huge guys who curse all the time and are are very you know bro this and you know that. So I don't care about those people, but it's a fun game to play. But those are the games that sell because that's what they that's what they push towards. They push towards yeah. uh, lowest common denominator. What Jeff, who hosts the Man Cave, calls low hanging fruit. That's what he calls it. <laughs> I love that's just great. to put it out there. I absolutely love the new design of Lara Croft for the next Tomb Raider. Oh yeah, game. yeah. Yeah. You know, they scaled her back a little bit, mm. made her much more Indiana Jones-ish yeah. than usual. Um, well, she not... has human dimensions now. Right, yeah. exactly. That's and great. that's that is whether whether it's going to be good or not, because they always promised me that I'm going to get another great Tomb Raider game, and they always turn out to be shit, with the, rego- <laughs> with, with the exception of that uh, Guardians of Light. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that was really, really cool. Yeah. That was excellent. <laughs> but... You know, I like the idea that they're scaling it back a mm-hmm. little bit, and maybe it's a step in the right direction because I want to play the shit out of that game. Yeah, maybe. Um, I will say this: uh, between Walking Dead being number one, the next uh, indie book that shows up on the list is number forty-four, which is Saga, which sold uh, around yeah, forty thousand. Okay. So uh, that's interesting because everything else in between is just Marvel and DC. But but if we, as someone who works in a store selling old movies. The the big studios look at, okay, the big new release of the week sells however many copies it does, and old movies don't matter. Mm. But the old things, the smaller titles add up, and how many other indie titles? Yeah, I mean, when not, you get down there, Not even in that yeah. top 100, but mm. you've got 10 or 12 of those that start to say, okay, here are those people, mm-hmm. and they're the saga people, and the fairest people, and so on and so forth. You start to add that group together. They're their own buying block. Right. Yeah. And they're not being addressed by the majors. Mm-hmm. They're left to fend for themselves. And unless they go into a store like Rob's where someone's willing to say, try this, look at this, you might like this, you're left to the devices of major companies and major advertising revenue. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll go over the, the, you know, the top trades real quick. Just wanna, Okay. Uh, Batman Earth 1 was number one by 22,000 units. Wow. Uh, 32,000 it sold. Um, Fables Volume 17 was number two at a 10,000. Uh, number three was Richard Stark's Parker the Score at yes. five. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 9 Freefall at around 5,000. Um, number five was Invincible Volume 16, Family Ties, like also around 5,000. And then uh, Batman and Robin, uh, Lock and Key, Suicide Squad, uh, Scalped, and uh, Wild Children was the number 10. Trade nice. Uh, so about four thousand 
units. That's interesting in that those trades, for the most part, mm-hmm. indie, all indies. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this list is full of indie stuff. You know, um, Underwater Welder, which was barely even out last month, uh, sold almost 3,000 units. So it's interesting. It's very interesting um, the way those things shake out. You know, a lot more people buying, you know, monthly issues from the big companies, but seems like the indie uh, trades do pretty damn well. Yeah, and plus they're, they're original graphic novels. They're only mm-hmm. available in that format. It's not like you could just go buy the issues for that okay. book. You know, yeah, that, that's how... Underwater was just a... Right. Just right. a... And same with, with uh, Wild Child and... Okay. Now, is this Wild direct... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. Is this direct market Ow. sales or bookstore sales or what's this, I think this trade is dir- list Direct for? market. Direct, direct market, yeah. This is okay, direct so market. Okay, so just comic stores. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, uh, DC, uh, won market share by units by, like, a tenth of a percent, Mm -hmm. uh, and won market share by dollars, actually, also, this month. See, I saw, by very um, little, 38.39% Marvel units sold, that was on CBG today. Oh, interesting, that's, oh, I see what you're talking about, uh, percent of top comics by units. Yeah. So, in the top comics, they, they did better than DC. By but a point but, and a half or whatever. Yeah, but overall for everything. Yeah, market share okay. is more important. Yeah, market share. Uh, uh, Marvel and DC very close, like 36. And the next is Image at around 9. So, um, yeah. So, that's I, I, we've never actually read sales numbers on the show. And uh, I think they're a pretty interesting thing to look at, especially because we kind of live in a bubble, right? We talk about all these books. We're like, oh, we love these books. They're great. They're great. They're great. But to see kind of where they sell, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think the top five is really any surprise no. to anybody. No, I, I am, again, well, just, I, I hate to go to this. I'm saddened by what these numbers are. I am too. When the movies do, okay, if the Avengers made, what, what's their number here, the movie here? Oh, God, 600, million 600 million, million something okay. like, yeah, over that. Okay, so that's 60 million people, if we, if we say it's $10 a ticket on average. 60 million people wanted to go see the adventures of these superheroes told in a very Silver Age Marvel mm. fashion. And we can sell 179,000 giant event AVX books. Why isn't the message getting out? Is it that people aren't reading just in general? Is that number just so shrunken? Is this format not what it should be? Or is it just that there isn't newsstand distribution? It's a very it's, complicated... It's, it's newsstand distribution. It's marketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, where do you see any of these books marketed at all? People don't have the money. Well, I, I, I think this that... was a mass market. Let me. I'll okay. jump in right after I did. If when this was a mass market product, and there was more advertising, and it was cheaper because it was in more places, and it was returnable, and the split between comic stores, which got the books three weeks ahead of Seven Eleven, it was it was not quite so noticeable. Everyone bought comics. What as wonderful as comic stores are. It doesn't get the books into the hands of everybody in the same way anymore. These things also don't take into account digital sales mm-hmm. either. So I think there's a whole market of people, however how small it is, I don't know how big that number is, but there's a whole group of people who don't go to the comic book store. They just go on their iPad and they go, buy, 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 you know? Because, yeah, you got to figure the digital numbers are enough to where they're doing it. Yeah. You know, because if, if the sales weren't there, they would, mm-hmm. they would not be doing it. Yeah. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they, when they start adding those numbers, and I'm sure that will come later because Nielsen didn't start adding in like DVR numbers until 
sure. recently, and you know mm-hmm. they still seem weird about you know doing like Hulu Plus numbers and iTunes numbers. So you don't really get the real picture of how things are being purchased and read. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, I, you know, I wasn't really cognizant of comic book sales when they were selling that much. I look at this, right? I look at something like Avengers versus X Men, which 179,000 um, units sold at four dollars a pop. You know, you're you're looking at you know six hundred thousand dollars for a comic book. You know, and I mean, there's th- that goes to a lot of different people. Obviously, that get, right. that the profit com- margin is different now than it was then because of royalty rates and everything else. Right. So it it, it probably ends up being in about the same profit for right. the company. Mm-hmm. But when a regular issue, that's an event issue. When a regular issue of X Men twenty five years ago sold. Two and a half times what that did. Right. That just put it into more people's hands because I don't know what the numbers are, Rob. What is it, like 1.5 reads per book? They used to have a formula for how many people read the book. Yeah. That it got passed around hand Mm. to hand. So maybe there were a million people reading the X-Men every month. There are not a million people reading AVX number seven. No, 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 no. And it's that growth factor that isn't happening right now where they're staving off elimination which is okay mm-hmm. but we have a product that people are starting to love from a different medium why isn't that linked together why right. aren't there books in the theaters why aren't there books in the goddamn supermarket mm-hmm. i'll go on and on about that forever we all got in my generation playing the age card here <laughs> We got books at the dentist office, at the barber shop, at the stationery store, at the 7-Eleven. Comics were everywhere. There was a spinner rack mm-hmm. anywhere you turned around. You went to the farmer's market. You went to the junk shop, boxes and racks of comics. Yeah. And if it's the – will it be the top three movies this year? Will it be comic book movies? Probably. Certainly the top two. Okay. Yeah. Spider-Man's – yeah, I mean, we still have a while ago. We still have the Hobbit to go in December, right. so... <laughs> so, okay, but in the top five, there'll be oh, yeah. two or three comic yeah, book yeah. movies. And that doesn't translate to people wanting to buy those as much as they're buying Twilight books or Hunger Games books or everything else, and that's... Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> or Twilight, right. That's what really... It irks me because this is a wonderful medium telling still great stories. It's, it's heroism and courage and family and all the other things we all love about this thing and it's humor and detectives and it's the genres are expanding some more let's put the love of it out there we can only do what we can do that's what i'm saying if ever companies have to do it everyone shared our passion your passion then this is definitely something that can grow at a good rate I mean, you know, I I do what I can. You yeah, do. Yeah, everyone yeah. does what they can. Absolutely. I mean, you guys do the show, and and I mean, just uh, think of it this way: Wild Children show uh, sold four thousand copies, like three thousand, or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, just how many tweets did you read about people picking up the book because of the review on the site? Mm-hmm. You know, just You're think welcome. of them. <laughs> yes. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, that's right. a, a huge contribution. Just mm-hmm. so. That that alone is is awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I'll say this about the the two things about the Twilight, uh, Hunger Games, Harry Potter, all this stuff. One, I think it's easier to go from a reading a book to going to a movie than seeing a movie and going back to a book. I I think that absolutely like the, the movies help the popularity of those things, 
but those things were already wildly popular before they became movie properties. The other thing, too, is Twilight, Hunger Games, Harry Potter, all written by women. Mm-hmm. You know, all embrace, you know... Uh, a sense of theme. Yeah, all, all embrace, like, a, whether you like them or not, a sensitivity and a, a sense of, uh, you know... Um, responsibility and coming from behind and all these other things, you know, hey. not in the dirty way. All right. <laughs> I kept my mouth shut. On I, that st- one. I stepped out. For yeah. Um, and I think that obviously comic books learn from that. The other thing too, is just that it's where Rob said, I think it comes out more to Rob's than anything else. It's, it's the marketing. It's, I mean, a lot of people, I heard a lot of comic book shop people saying that, the DC New 52, the reason it sold so well was not just because it was number one, it was because they actually advertised that they were doing something. They were like, oh, this comic book thing is happening. Mm-hmm. So people took notice of what was going on. And I think they don't really do that. They don't spend, you never see comic book ads on TV, you know, ever. Nope. Um, and they don't even advertise for them during the cartoons about the comic books. And rarely, and rarely during the movies that we're sitting to watch. Yeah. Where was the Avengers... Mm-hmm. Title card at the end. Yeah, this at the end of every Superman TV episode back when I was a little boy, the character appearing in Superman magazine. Mm-hmm. Every bloody episode, it was comic book. This is where it comes from. And the one thing I, w- I will disagree with you here is that I think it's easier to go from a movie to a comic book since they're visual media. You are looking at a movie. A comic book is a storyboard yeah. for a movie in that it's less daunting to go backwards into the comic that sort of looks like what you just saw as opposed to an entire page of text. Right. But what, what I meant was people will read something. Uh, I'm saying book or comic book, reading it first. Then they'll go, oh, we got a movie coming out. Really excited to see the agree. movie. Agree. I completely agree. Um, but once you've seen a movie of something – a lot of people don't don't won't go back and read the book or go back and read a comic because they're like, "Well, I already have the movie." You know, I, the thing that mm-hmm. people always want to happen has already happened. That's what I meant. I didn't mean that it was more do- less, more or less daunting. Okay. See if you want to see something. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, this might be going nowhere, but what about having like we we often complain sometimes about product pr- placement in movies mm-hmm. where it was like so obvious, like Mission Impossible Four, where it was like a Mac commercial for, <laughs> for portions of it. Why not in these movies where you know that the audience is going to be filled with people that may be of of this medium have a character be reading a book in the movie and like, you know, they get called into the kitchen or something (laughs) and they get up at at the beginning of the scene and they toss the book onto the coffee Mm. table and it smacks down on the table and they were reading X. Mm. Right. You know, just a little, just a little Mm. nod. Be like, you like this character? This character's reading this book. You might want to check it out. Right. I like that. I mean, I think mm-hmm. just simple as during Young Justice, you have a commercial that's like, yeah. this character that you love, they're in this book. You yeah. know, there's a book called, if you like Superboy, there's a book called Superboy. You know, and if you saw the kids, yeah. kids are like, I want that thing. You know, that's what's going to happen. But um, we've been going a little bit long, so we're going to close up the discussion oh, there. Oh, good. Uh, it's just about ready for another 48 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but we got, uh, we got some Twitter questions that we're not going to be able to get to. Oh, I studied. What? Do one? One. Do one. One One magic one. One magic one. Lucky. I don't know. Have to look. Who's the lucky one? Bob, you got a vamp. I got a vamp. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, I will vamp about something. Um, We have our little avatars 
up on the site. Mine has actually now been christened with a name. Oh, really? Oh, really? Ah. Yes. The Grey Guardian. That is Isn't that pretty? It's Sarah. Our our listener Sarah has come up with that. And she actually, if I can read my own handwriting, uh, protecting truth, justice, and the comics way. (laughs) That's awesome. Sharing his knowledge of a golden age, stopping the talking comics crew descending into anarchy, it's the Grey Guardian. (laughs) That's awesome. She emailed that to you? Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Where's mine? (laughs) (laughs) You didn't beg hard enough, I suppose. I don't don't beg, Bob. (laughs) I'll take everything I can get. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm the uh, look. I, I said at the point, you know, I, I do have gray hair in my avatar there, so it just uh-huh. seems so perfect. So no, I think it's fantastic. I, I got to have a name and a logo. You guys are gonna have to work on your own. I've had my powers defined by Stephanie, but I don't have a name yet. No, mm. none of us have a name. No. None of us have a name. I thought there was a question about. Uh... I call Stephanie the Bruiser. That's that's, <laughs> that's a good. Name. That's a good name that's for her. <laughs> It's it's that's a good name for her. Um, so I can't find like any of the questions that I asked for on here. Ah, we could save it for next time. Um, yeah, I tried. Well, somebody asked, uh, "What were what do we think were?" I know somebody asked, "What do we think are the best New Fifty Two books and the worst New Fifty Two books?" Uh, but I think we're going to wait on that question because we're coming up. We're also coming up on kind of the year anniversary of the show and the year anniversary of that. So I want to kind of wait till then. Um, so we're not going to get to any questions uh, tonight. Uh, Listeners, Steve tried to be your champion, but Twitter failed you all. I tried. <laughs> That's all I can do. All right, so uh, this week's releases on the shelves right now from Boom Studios. We have Adventure Time, Marceline and the Scream Queens, number two. Yeah. yeah. Fanboys versus Zombies, number five. It's a great title. Uh, we have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season nine, number 12. Conan the Barbarian, number seven. Creep, number zero. Um, Massive number three, Uh, Star Wars Night Errant Escape number three, (laughs) Star Wars Lost Tribe of the Sith Spiral (laughs) um, number one of five, and Strain number seven. Hmm. Uh, From DC, we have American Vampire Lord of Nightmares number three. We have Batgirl number 12. We have Batman number 12. Batwoman and Batgirl. Yeah, I know. She's on the cover. Um, Batman number 12. Batman and Robin number 12. Sweet. Batman Arkham Unhinged. Number five, uh, Before Me. Watchmen, Ozymandias, number two, uh, Deathstroke, number 12, Ugh. Demon Knights, number 12, Ferrist, number six, Yay. Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, number 12, yeah. Grifter, number 12, Bleh. Legion Lost, number 12, Bleh. Night Force, number six of seven, um, Punk Rock Jesus, number two, Sweet. Ravagers, <laughs> number four, Resurrection Man, number 12, Scooby Doo, Where Are You, number 24, Suicide Squad, number 12, Superboy, number 12. Um and a world's finest cherry paperback, but that can't be this. No one. No. No, it's no. got to be <laughs> old. Yeah, we're going into the future. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I say I'd buy that. It'd be quick. Yeah. It'd be really, a really quick turnaround for DC. Uh, from Dynamite, we have uh, Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files, Full Moon, number seven. Mm-hmm. We have Panther, number three. <laughs> we have Red Sonia, Atlantis Rises, number one. We have Thunder, number one. Thunder. Vampirella, number 20. Why do all their books end with an A? I don't know. Uh, okay. Vampirella, annual number two. Uh, Voltron, year one, number four. That one doesn't end with an A. Warriors so. of Mars, number four. Yeah. From IGW, we have um, Dead World, War of the Dead, number two. Yeah. Already? 
Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be the next five weeks. Uh, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 181. Godzilla, The Half-Century War, number one. Kiss, number three. <laughs> uh, Magic the Gathering, The Spell Thief, number two. I thought we were going to sing for that one. Um, there yeah. is uh, Nevsky, A Hero of the People, hardcover. Um, <laughs> no idea. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Kafka, Adventures, volume one, trade paperback. And uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, color classics, micro series, Raphael, one shot. Uh, Transformers Robots in Disguise number 8 yes um, from Image we have Artifacts number That's 20 good. Uh, Bloodstrike number 29 Blue Estate number 12 Dancer number 4 Creator Own Heroes number 3 Hoax Hunters number 2 it mm-hmm. and the Atomics, number yeah, one. Yeah, I want to check that out. Uh, Revival. No, sorry, that's uh, second printing. I almost got really excited. Um, <laughs> from Marvel, we have Avengers Assemble, number six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have done. Captain America, number 16. Captain America and uh, Iron Man, number 635. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil <laughs> Annual, number one, which is written and drawn by Alan Davis. Uh-huh. It's tied into the FF and Thor annuals. And oh, it we, is? We print Ooh. the whole thing as a trade. Uh, like September or something like cool. that. Cool. There we go. Bob, bring in the knowledge. Hey, uh, <laughs> Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe number two. Yes. Fantastic Four number 609. Is, is that coming out? I've never heard of that book. Fantastic Four? Mm. Yeah, 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 it's no, a little book. No, yeah. uh, Gambit number one. Uh, Incredible Hulk number 12. Uh, Mighty Thor number 18. Yeah. New Avengers number 29. Scarlet Spider number eight. Uh, which yeah, I'm very yeah. excited about. Yes. Sensational Spider-Man, 33.1. Yeah. Space Punisher, number 204. <laughs> Space Punisher. <laughs> Spider-Men, number 405. Yes. Sweet. Venom, number 22. Wolverine, number 311. And X-Men Legacy, number 271. Bizarre. And, um, oh, from Denoscope, we have Waking Dreams End, number 3. Hmm. hmm. So that is it. <laughs> wow, no love for that one? No, I, uh, we'll see. I'm waiting for the trade. I, it's, I hate to say it. Some of their stuff's been hit and miss lately. I, I really enjoy some stuff and others just haven't been scratching that itch. Gotcha. Irresistible was good. So there you go. Nice. <laughs> All right. So that is it for the Talking Comic Podcast for this week. Um, if you want to get in touch with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, Info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email, or TalkingComicBooks.com is the website. Leave comments on stories. Um, we will answer yeah. back there. Um, our personal Twitters, I am at Bobby Shortle. Steve. At Dead underscore Anchorus. Rob. At Dusk1020. And Bob, your email. You can give them uh, your simple email if you'd like, or you can keep giving them your other email. The the new one you can help me with. <laughs> well, it's just Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Oh, that's fine then. Yeah. Yay. So Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com is your is email address. You can get in touch. Twitter not happening. Bob. Still no Twitter for Bob. <laughs> and again, thank you guys for, for having me. It of course, Rob. Oh, thank you. Quite, quite fun. Thank you for being here, and thank you for being our comic book uh, drug dealer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's really no other way to say it. <laughs> no, no, it's fun. Here, have a couple of these. Yeah, have a couple. Yeah. Just try these. <laughs> try this, man. Don't you want to be cool? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's really good. That's some really good stuff. You should All see the, the you should see the eating. giant pimp hat Rob's yeah. wearing while we're sitting here. Yeah. It's uh-huh. just amazing. Purple velvet. <laughs> nice <laughs> leopard print. All right. <laughs> I guess that'll be it for the Talking Comics podcast. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we uh-huh. descended into this. Yeah. night. For Steve. I am also available for children's parties. Oh, God. Bob. Mm-hmm. Good night, nurse. And Rob. Adios. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Continued.